We wanted to believe. We wanted to call out. On May 17, 2001, two sequels to Diddy Kong Racing were launched from E3 in Los Angeles, California. They were called Donkey Kong Racing and Diddy Kong Pilot. Each one carried beloved characters, an ethnically dodgy portrayal of a genie, a stereotypical depiction of a southern bumpkin, and Kitty Kong, arranged so that our culture may be understood if ever intercepted by a technologically mature extraterrestrial civilization. Thirteen years after the reveal and subsequent cancellation, rumors of yet another Diddy Kong racing arose from Kevin Callahan, a sequel that also failed to materialize. After that time, there were no further sequels greenlit, nor are any planned. We wanted to play. In 2004, the studio Climax initiated the high-concept Diddy Kong Racing Adventure, an attempt at marrying the best concepts of Diddy Kong Racing with Donkey Kong Racing. Less than one year later, first-term Nintendo president Satoru Iwata successfully championed an amendment which terminated the project. I wanted to believe, but the tools had been taken away. Diddy Kong Racing has been shut down. TT hasn't even appeared in Sea of Thieves. They closed our eyes. Our voices have been silenced. Our ears now deaf to the realms of extreme possibilities. No, no, no. Wrong way. Welcome to The Conversation. I'm Heil Russell. And I'm Dustin Jackson. Dustin, welcome. Take me to your leader. Hey, you know what, Heil? I have a feeling this episode's going to be out of this world. (laughs) 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 You like that one, huh? Oh, that that was solid. I spent the last week thinking of that one. You should write for Carson. I maybe I do. do you, 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 you do etchings on his tombstone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so hey, if if you are listening to your second ever episode of the conversation, if the Donkey Conga episode we did last time 
enticed you, seduced you like a siren song to our shores. And you're like, I'm, I'm going to listen to the, the, the regular ones, you know, the ones that the Geek Critique isn't on. The ones where they're not going down this rabbit hole of ditties, ditties, and, and washing the spider out. And that, that's going to be in your head the rest of the night now, now that I brought it up. Uh, because as uh-huh. annoying as that is, it's infectious, let me tell you. I've been I've been singing ditties, ditties all week long, and it's ruined some relationships. That's okay, Heil. I've been singing uh, Bingo, the version from Donkey Konga, where they go, go bingo, go bingo. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, if, if you're not familiar with the usual topics of the conversation, you know, we... We cover the entire Donkey Kong universe. Sometimes we focus on a particular game. Sometimes we focus on a particular series. Sometimes it's more news of the day. And sometimes we take a broader look at the multiple franchises across the DKU. And when we do that, it's usually talking about the rare archipelago the fictional island chain where much of the DKU takes place, established ostensibly in Diddy Kong Racing that all these islands are kind of clumped together and easily accessible back and forth. So, you know, that's where the bulk of these games take place. But in this episode, we're going beyond. We are going into space, and we're going to be talking about the extraterrestrials of the Donkey Kong universe. And I don't know if it's the whole universe, like the literal universe, or if it's all confined to our galaxy. We're, we're going to get into like how the, the, the Atlas works when it comes to the DKU in space. Because we've met many the extraterrestrial over the years, but usually never the same type. So it, it, it's... <laughs> A question we're going to be asking, does this make sense? How does the ufology, that's UFOlogy for those of you who aren't crazy people like me, that how does that stack up in the DKU versus the real world understanding and concepts of extraterrestrials? We're, we're going to be getting into some weird spaces on this episode, yeah, Dustin. I, I, I think there's it. only like... I feel like there's only a couple differences between the aliens in these games and the ones in real life. Yeah, (laughs) well, yeah, I mean, we're going to be arguing, hopefully, hopefully it's going to get heated, (laughs) about, you know, if, for example, the greys appear in the DKU. Uh, We're going to be arguing about if the reptilians appear in, no, we're probably not going to go that far, but... uh, (laughs) We'll, we'll 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 compare. We'll compare everything. We'll we'll get into where we think these aliens are coming from, and what they're doing when they get here. I can't wait. I've been counting down the minutes to this episode. But you know what, you humanoids, you Earth people, should be doing <laughs> while you're here. It's checking out DK Vines Patreon. That's right, DK Vines Patreon. DKVine.com forward slash Patreon or Patreon.com forward slash DKVine. It's how we keep the lights on. Let me tell you something, Dustin. 
and by proxy, everyone listening to this, Donkey Kong journalism doesn't pay what you think it does. <laughs> Don't say that. I, You're going to ruin the illusion. I'm not riding in the back of a limo every day. I, I'm not eating the vegan caviar. I mean, You're I, not I, melting down gold just for fun. Yeah, I'm not. I let, let, let me relent. I do order vegan caviar, but I don't eat it every day. It's a special <laughs> treat. All right. <laughs> uh, so the Patreon is really the only thing keeping the lights on, as I like to say. So if you like the conversation, if you like the content we do, if you just like the idea of there being dedicated Donkey Kong Universe journalism, podcast, videos, then, then check it out. It it does uh, it does mean a lot. Uh, I thank every patron we have, past and present. And You're welcome. Future. Whoa. Hey Dustin. Like aliens. Hey Dustin. Give me give me your money. <laughs> All right. I always knew you were a bully. <laughs> I I want to order some vegan caviar. I I can get it here by Sunday. Uh, you know what? I've been bullied out of my money live on the air, but at least I get to be in the DK Vine Minecraft server. <laughs> uh also, hey, we have a Twitch channel and I like to plug that because we we've been doing like regular streams. It, it it's not just this once in a blue moon moon like in space. Am I right? <laughs> it's not it's not just this infrequent thing like it used to be back in the day. We have regular streams on the regular every week, every single week, every single week, multiple times during that week. We've got DK Vine Done Slow, which is hosted by me. It's me playing the games of the DKU horribly, horribly slow. And right now I'm playing Banjo-Kazooie. I just got through Clanker's Cavern, and I spent a lot of time talking about Clanker. So, there you go. If you Clanker fans, we are the content you've been waiting for. DK Vines. We know there's literally dozens of you. At least. And, you know, maybe not maybe not 24. Maybe it's just a little bit more than a dozen. Maybe 13. <laughs> maybe 14. A baker's dozen. Maybe 15. Maybe 16. Maybe 17. Maybe 18. Maybe 19. Maybe 20. Maybe 21. Maybe 22. Maybe 23. There might have been a 24th one that died. We'll still count them. Probably. So yes, dozens <laughs> of Clanker fans. In memoriam of Clanker fan. Number 24. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so DK Vine Stream of Thieves, that's Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. BST. That is the DK Vine crew and our friends across the rare fan community setting sail in Sea of Thieves and having adventures. It's it's a lot looser, it's a lot sillier, it's more lackadaisical. We're just hanging out basically and and playing a pirate game made by Rare, but uh it, it's it's a regular occurrence Sundays. And then Tuesdays we've got the Idaho crew 
Presents. That's at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, uh, 1 a.m. BST Wednesday morning. And Dustin, you're part of this Idaho crew. Explain what the Idaho crew is. Well, it's me and some other friends, uh, Adam, Andrew, and sometimes Tate, and we just kind of pick a random DKU game to play, just whatever we're feeling. Uh, we just recently finished up Saberwolf for the GBA. Yeah, it took you long enough. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we we kind of forgot how long that game is. It's it's long. It's it's beefy. It's got some bloat. As you might say, hey, there's, there's the bloater, like bloater, I bloater get it. yeah. So I, 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 I've been watching them uh, play on Tuesdays because it's just fun. It's, it's chaotic. They all start yelling at each other. It's fun. It's cute. <laughs> but uh, they were playing Saber Wolf in the most aggravating <laughs> way, where you know, if you've never played Saber Wolf GBA, the the thing you, Saber Man has to do is he has to use the good creatures he finds and, and use them to advance in a level in the Wolf Slayer. So you know that that manifests in a myriad of ways. But there is a like gelatinous bat type creature named Bloater and. They've just been spamming Bloater, where they put Saberman in Bloater and float to the top of the screen and, like, barely move, uh, <laughs> incrementally move inside Bloater. And I'm like, what are you doing? And then they, Bloater pops, as he, as he does, and then Saberman just falls into a baddie and dies. Yeah, usually. He yeah. usually there's usually something underneath that makes it not a good idea to do. It's never a good idea, but it became their running gag. <laughs> yeah to be fair before this i never used bloater like before he just didn't seem like that good uh to use to me but uh our our good friend andrew a uh, special agent tape on the forum he sure loves bloater he sure gets a kick out of bloater what we need to do is see if there are dozens of bloater fans and have some sort of get together <laughs> i can almost guarantee you there isn't yeah yeah, <laughs> it's it's a shame, right? Like maybe there is a bloater fan, and he is Andrew. Maybe if we had decided Saberwolf GBA was DKU much earlier than this year, we could have cultivated some some bloater fans over the last <laughs> eighteen years. But alas, oh, life passes you by. Don't don't look back. Don't be like us. Don't look back with regret. At things you have not done, like cultivating an army of bloater fans. No. Seize the day. Carpe diem. Yeah, like, you wouldn't trade all the love Ted the Boat Builder's gotten over the years for bloater love, would you? No, I wouldn't, but we could share the love. Like, That's true. Like, what does at an We gotta be the origin. change we want to see in the world. We can, we can make the bloater fans exist. Yeah. So anyway... That's Twitch. <laughs> check, check us out on Twitch. Uh, you can just get there, dkvide.com forward slash Twitch or uh, twitch.tv. Because they have to be clever. Forward slash dkvine. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you for indulging us. Dustin. Heil. We've got not a call, but but we've got 
some sort of, of rambling message sent to us on Patreon oh, by, awesome. by regular listener and DK Vine patron, DJ Cat. Ooh. Yeah, so DJ Cat got very excited about this episode when I announced it. And I, uh, I, I, I woke up this morning thinking, oh, well, we don't have any calls yet. Nobody cares. I'm a failure. <laughs> and then that's okay, uh, Kyle. You did your best. And then 10:43 a.m. my time, uh, I get a message, and and I'm just gonna read it to you. All right. So oh, story time. Let me let me preface this by saying, DJ Cat, a lot of the stuff you're gonna be talking about, I've already baked into the show outline. So. I'm because you're so enthusiastic. I am reading this. Ordinarily, I would just say, "Well, we're going to address all of this." I'll just thank DJ Cat for writing in and just go from there. But I, 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 I want to read this best I can. All right, DJ Cat here to talk about the subject of extraterrestrials in the Donkey Kong universe. First up, while any Rare fan would know that Rare love pirates and have been including them in their games for a long, long time, I would like to point out a period where they love doing stuff about space and aliens. A brief history of Rare's space and alien-related moments from 1996 to 2002. First up, Killer Instinct has Glacius who is most certainly an alien from a distant planet. He has an interesting story, but that's a tale for another day. In 19... Oh, sorry. You also have Gargos, who might be, although it's a bit harder to define, part god, part gargoyle. It's complicated. In 1997, Rare released three games that saw you take part in a shuttle launch at some point. And two that involved you then going to space via said shuttle launch. Goldeneye has James Bond facing Jaws in the Aztec level, getting the Moonraker laser and then finishing the level by launching a shuttle. In Diddy Kong Racing, you have the famous Lighthouse Shuttle to get to Future Funland. And in Blast Corps, later in the game, you have to clear the path for a landing shuttle before later on getting to launch to the moon and beyond. In 1999, we got Jet Force Gemini, which is a brilliant planet-hopping sci-fi shooter shooter adventure. The year 2000 saw the release of Perfect Dark, lots of aliens, and a visit to an alien spacecraft or two, and their home planet is involved. Star Fox Adventures from 2002 had plenty more of extraterrestrial ecosystems and species there, as we all know. That's just off the top of my head, and I probably missed some too. But there you have it. Rare certainly were going to infinity and beyond in that era. Now it's time to talk about the planet of Plantain from Donkey Kong Jungle Climber and its significance (laughs) to the bananas of Donkey Kong Island and the Rare Archipelago. I'd like to refer you to this episode of The Conversation, episode 428 from 2016 from about the one hour eight minute mark karate joey calls in with a question about the significance of the banana i don't know if you want to play a clip here or not 
I'm not, I'm not going to. But basically, <laughs> the short version of it is that the bananas around the rare archipelago have some sort of magical properties, thus explaining the extra evolution of both Kongs and Kremlings and other species in the archipelago, and their ability to have tech and whatever else. And perhaps this also explains why the bananas are so sought after. So how did the bananas get here, and why are they specifically found only here? The ancient alien theory brought here millennia ago by the inhabitants of Plantain, and the temples and entities left behind in worship and protection of the bananas. Is this the all-encompassing theory that ties all of the DKU together via ancient aliens? <gasps> Alright, I've gone on a lot, but here is part three. Just a quick grab bag of miscellaneous ponderings for y'all to ponder. The aliens of Banjo-Tooie, in particular the Jinjo plush being held by one of the alien kids, and the reference to Elvis from Perfect Dark. At least, I think they referenced Elvis. Jinjos, aliens or not, there's literally no way to tell. The saucer <laughs> apparel, as first seen in Witchy World. The Mr. Pants mural on Talfret in Jet Force Gemini. I have a theory on this in the DK Vine forum if you want to read my ramblings. Short version, Mr. Pants has been to Talfret. Whizpig? Origin story? I have a stupid theory that I expect someone would have shot down over on the DK Vine forum, but rather no one has replied. <laughs> one of the most fascinating moments which we will never see, is Tricky and the rest of the Saurian refugees migrating from Dinosaur Planet to Earth. What did this look like? How did they do it? Discuss! Alrighty, alrighty, that's me done. Thanks for listening to my over-the-top ramblings. This is DJ Cat over, under, and far out. Wow. I guess we have to discuss it now. Yeah, I was just going to call the episode right then and there. <laughs> so, uh, hello to Ray Day Pinball, by the way, in the live stream chat. They just got back from the cider store. Some may and call it, their arms tired. Yeah, some may call it a liquor store. Uh, <laughs> I am drinking my my uh, regular conversation beverage as of late, Bold Rock Hard Cider, blackberry flavored. Because, uh, you know, I, I feel like, you know, being the, the, the manly blue-collar man that I am, uh, a crisp and tart blend of blackberry and apple quenches my, uh, my thirst from a day of hard work in the mines. I'm not drinking anything, but if I were, just for the occasion, Heil, did you know that they made Coke Starlight, a drink that tastes like outer space, they say? They say it tastes like outer space. I, I saw it a plenty in the store, and I don't drink much soda anymore. But I was curious, but I was like, you know what, I'll get it later. And then <laughs> later came, and it was all gone, and I can't find it. Oh, I'm sorry, Heil. We we still have it out here in Idaho, uh, but I, I guess that's what space tastes like. I've never tried it myself. I've only had the soda, so I'm just going to have to take their word for it. I've smelled space because I have a virtual boy, and, and the virtual <laughs> boy smells of outer space. What I imagine outer space would smell like, uh, which is foam rubber 
<laughs> because the, <laughs> the visor of the Virtual Boy is foam rubber. If you're if you're not familiar, if you've never played one, and uh, it it had this this musky aroma, where whenever you would play the Virtual Boy, you know, say what you will about the Virtual Boy, but it is a sensory deprivation experience. So the only senses you've got are. You know, because your eyes are being taken up by the game. The sound you're, you're hearing is being taken up by the game. So the only thing you've got is taste. And, and you're not eating anything. You're playing, you're playing a virtual boy. So then you've got smell and touch. And, and touch, you're, you're using a controller. So then that just leaves smell. And you're smelling the foam visor. And it, when you're playing Galactic Pinball, you associate that smell with space. So... How- how immersive. <laughs> I mean, I, I loved the Virtual Boy. I, I understand it can't be for everyone, especially those who, uh, you know, who have a semblance of colorblindness or don't have depth perception. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a cool idea, but it doesn't really work for everyone. And also it hurts like hell to play it as an adult so (laughs) anyway yeah i never played it i always wanted to though i really like that uh red and black aesthetic even though looking at it for too long will uh hurt your eyes uh when you look at it for just a few seconds it's great well you know they have the automatic pause baked in and everybody tells me well i never use the automatic pause why would i do that I'm, i'm not some sort of wimp and I'm like, well, you do it because you have to do it because you'll get sick. You'll give yourself a headache. Uh, you'll strain your eyes if, if, if you don't take that mandatory break. So, Yeah, that's the real outer space experience. I mean, space is deadly. I, I don't want to be in space. <laughs> All these people. Yeah, you, you will uh, get a little sick if you're out in space. All these people who want to, like, live on Mars, and I'm like, are you shitting me? Like... I barely even want to live here. (laughs) Like, how about we save the Earth first? Like, uh, the Earth Earth has uh, oceans and forests and breathable air and... Giraffes? Giraffes, Bold Rock, Card Cider, Virtual Boys? (laughs) Mars doesn't have any of this. Yeah, all the best things. Yeah. But uh, despite not wanting to go to space, despite the very concept of interplanetary travel terrifying me, I have long been fascinated by space, but especially of the concept of extraterrestrial life. Now, I've told this story before on DK Vine uh, in various audio retellings, but I'm going to tell it again because it's applicable. I'm going to tell you about the time I saw a UFO when I was a wee little wad. I I think I was... Say what? When I was a wee little wad. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was the part I was was wondering about. A wee little wad. A little, little high. Oh, look at me. I'm a little high. Oh, Look how marketable he is. <laughs> uh, I think I was about three years old, maybe four. I was living, well, I, I was living with my parents in South Carolina at the time. This was about a year before we moved to Virginia. And 
it was it was a hot humid swampland um rockville south carolina if you're familiar with it if you live there then hey this story relates to you so uh we we lived in a in a one level house but we had like a lot of property on the house and the backyard extended into woods uh, I, I, I might be charitable called a forest but i guess to a three or four year old widow Ohio, it looked like you know a, a massive majestic forest and there was a trail that people around a neighborhood could walk in so we had just access there and we could take the walk through the, the forest so occasionally throughout you know the week my mom and i you know around midday might take a walk through through the forest might have even introduced my love of nature at an early age, instilled it, I don't know. But there was one particular walk through this woodland that is seared into my memory. So um, my mom and I were walking, maybe early afternoon, um, and just walking along, you know, looking up, and I see what looks like a frisbee. To my Ooh. Uh, child perception, I think somebody threw a frisbee because I see a spinning disc flying through the daytime sky. And I'm like, oh, somebody threw a frisbee. Cool. I like frisbees. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, we keep walking. I don't think anything of it because in my limited education and life experience, I've already figured out what this thing is. <laughs> don't worry about it, everybody. It's just a frisbee. It's just a frisbee. Somebody threw it really high in the sky. Adults can do that. <laughs> I'm just a child. I don't know any better. So, <laughs> I don't know. A minute passes, maybe two. I don't know how. I I, I mean, this 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 couple decades ago, I, I don't, I, I can't give you the play-by-play here but i look up i look back up the frisbee is still in the sky and then that's when i start thinking it's probably not a frisbee frisbees aren't supposed to do that frisbees don't stay in the same spot in the daytime sky in fact they don't do it in the nighttime sky at all they 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 they, (laughs) they, they, they fall down is what frisbees do usually have to catch them. Maybe a dog jumps up and catches it in its mouth. It's awesome. Not the dog this... missed the memo on this one. <laughs> yeah. Where was the giant dog? <laughs> so that's when I realized that not only is this spinning disc still in the sky, it's directly over me and my mom. Wow. And, yeah. And, and that's when I realized that it's it's probably... Not frisbee size. It's probably just really high up in the sky. And I, I look up at it. I don't know what this is, but I can make out just enough to tell that it's it is spinning. It's rotating because there's just a slight texture on the we're gonna call it a craft. All right. Uh, I I don't know what markings these were. I, I mean, this is this is. High up in the sky, you know, the sun is kind of de- making it look black, but I can tell that it's not completely black. There, There is some sort of uh, something ingrained on it. All right. So I'm getting a little nervous because I'm like, this isn't normal. 
I've never been told about the flying disc <laughs> that that spin <laughs> over your head. And and we keep walking the trail. Um and I keep looking up and it's still there and it's still directly over us. And I start getting nervous and I start getting fearful and I, you know, I've suffered anxiety and depression my entire life, but when I was this age, I didn't know what anxiety was. So I just knew I was afraid, and I knew that the best way to handle that fear was to not tell my mom that there's a flying saucer over us, because if I told her, that would make it more real. Because if she started panicking, then I would be panicking. (laughs) And so... I decided to play it the best way I could and keep it a secret. Just, Mom, don't look Until up. Until now. Mom, don't look up. There's no <laughs> alien spacecraft over her. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but, you know. Um, and she never looked up. She was never as curious as me. Like, she, she, you know, I'm always looking all over the place. I'm fidgety. I look around. I, I pace back and forth. I'm always getting the most out of my surrounding i'm squeeze it like a wet rag until i get every drop out probably why i do things like dk vine done slow and why i i you know i'm obsessed with video game lore rather than playing them well you know it's just i i like to study and get the full picture of everything so that's why you know i looked up um eventually we get back to our backyard and it's still over my head. My mom went inside oh, no. at one point. She was like, do you, you want to play in the yard while, you know, I go in. I don't get dinner started or something. And um, so I I was out there for just a minute or two. I, I don't even know how long it was. Like, again, long time ago at this point. But I, I looked up. It was still hovering over my head. And, and then I'm I'm thinking now this thing is following me, so I just go inside. <laughs> right. you, you sure showed them, <laughs> you know, the traveled however many light years to get here to study humans, but they never anticipated a roof. Shit! Why didn't we think of that when we came all the way out here? <laughs> um, so. I I feel safe when I'm inside, right? Because at this point, Uh I don't know anything about uh, space lasers. Independence Day was still, like, a decade away. Um, I eventually, curiosity gets the best of me, and I go to the window up front, uh, in the front of the house in the living room, and I look out. The the window is just such so I can look out into the sky over the front yard, and I see it hovering over our front yard it's now past our house still up there and then flash of blue and it's gone wow um so that was like i of three or early four uh that was my close encounter. <laughs> um, and I don't know what it was. I'm not saying it was an alien spacecraft. What I am saying is it was definitely a flying saucer. It was a UFO. I saw one. 
And that gave me a lifelong fascination with the subject. This is not something I would be interested in had I not encountered it. I would probably chalk it off as ch- chalk it up to being, you know, some people, you know, barking at the moon, conspiracy theorists. I, I wouldn't find it fascinating unless I saw it with my own eyes. And that honestly made me probably more open-minded throughout life to not immediately dismiss you know, notions that my elders told me were nonsense. For me, I never had an experience like that. I have no reason to believe in aliens, but I want to. Yeah. Like, where's the joy in just not believing in this stuff? I want to believe in aliens and Bigfoot and the like. Bigfoot is fun. Aliens can be fun, assuming, you know, they're not probing you or, or, you know, impregnating you against your will. Uh, all, all the things. Those ones aren't so fun. No, no, they're 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 a bit they're they're a bit not so nice. Those ones. But yeah, I mean, like it, it makes life. I I like mystery in life. I like yeah. possibility, even if we never get conclusive answers. All answers do is provide an ending. So I like that. Exactly. There are, I like that there are things in life that always leave us questioning always leave leave us searching for more answers but never quite getting there it makes it more worth living i i would say and i know a lot of people might write it off because it provides comfort thinking this this stuff isn't happening you know this this stuff couldn't possibly be happening but maybe it is uh there, there's certainly enough documentation we know governments of the world have been observing it for decades now, uh, over half a century. So, who knows? Uh, all I yeah, know... I mean, how could Futurama exist if there was no such thing as aliens, huh? Your move. Right. Sure, sure showed them the skeptics. Yeah. But, yeah, like, it it, it gave me, um, especially when I started growing up and being less fearful of, of that stuff, man, I would have loved to see a UFO again in the 90s. Uh, I've, I've never seen another one, especially, you know, I mean, maybe I've, I've seen one and I didn't realize what I was seeing, like, in the night sky, but never one that stark, that blunt. And as the 80s became the 90s, and as the 90s became the mid-90s, there was a renewed fascination with aliens, space aliens, extraterrestrials, they were everywhere by the mid-90s. And, and, you know, conspiracy culture in the 90s, some of it was just as toxic and evil as it is today, Uh, you know, especially the militia-based conspiracies. But, you know, there was still a lot of fun, frivolous, woo-woo conspiracies that weren't really hurting anybody, uh, including extraterrestrials and a large part of i think the reason it was so big during this time was that we as we approached the year 2000 there was kind of this renewed new agey awakening thinking that the year 2000 was going to usher in some sort of grand enlightenment for humankind which spoilers <laughs> spoilers that didn't happen uh in <laughs> fact we've regressed in some ways but uh you know just the uh the song calling occupants of interplanetary craft 
you know, like, oh, please, space aliens, come to us, show us the way, save us from ourselves, we want to be your friend. And, and so th- there was a lot of that. And of course, the X-Files was popular, and I was a huge X-Files fan, as longtime listeners of the conversation know. I don't reference the X-Files as much anymore, partially because the uh, revival, the season 10 and season 11 of the X-Files, completely destroyed any lingering love I have for it. And Oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's kind of like how I don't even like the early seasons of The Simpsons anymore, because the later seasons just made me hate all of the characters and the very concept. <laughs> and and I can't go back and just be like, yeah, but these are the good ones. It's like, no, it, it's all tainted. I'm sorry. Well, I could I could never do that. We here in the Idaho household watch those old ones uh, still regularly, but I get it. I understand. It's it, it's hard. And I still like, like individual episodes of the X-Files. I still want to like the constant. I still want to believe, I guess you could say, but... I, I think, like, you know, Vince Gilligan, who created Breaking Bad and co-created Better Call Saul, he was a writer for The X-Files. He he wrote several of the episodes, you know, for, like, seven years or so. And uh, I think, like, looking back, maybe I was just, like, a Vince Gilligan fan. Because Breaking Bad's awesome. Better Call Saul is awesome. Uh, they've never dipped in quality. And, uh... You know, I, Darren Morgan wrote, uh, like, just completely immaculate comedic episodes. Even in the revival, those were the ones worth watching. Anyway, um, <laughs> that, all that being said, aliens were in vogue during this very formidable, uh, v- very impressionable time of my evolution as a person. So when I when I think, like... What are the things I'm nostalgic for? The uh, UFO mania of the 90s is something I'm very nostalgic for. And it doesn't come as any surprise that the DKU, which had its heyday, let's say, 1994 to 2002, got swept up in the extraterrestrial craze of the day and incorporated all it it only took like three years it took 1997 which was the uh 50th anniversary of the alleged roswell new mexico incident the uh the supposed flying saucer crash in roswell it was the 50th anniversary in 1997 and that is when extraterrestrials officially made contact in the DKU with Diddy Kong Racing. What a coincidence. Um, Well, yeah. So that's interesting, by the way, Dustin. So (laughs) thank you for telling me. No, it's, (laughs) it's interesting because most people, even if they're familiar with Diddy Kong Racing, aren't familiar with the Diddy Kong Racing manual. And it was 50 years ago that Roswell, New Mexico happened in relation to Diddy Kong Racing. Did you know how long it was, according to the Diddy Kong Racing Manual, that anybody had seen Taj the Genie 
Was it 50 years? Oh, it was 50 years. 1947 was the last documented sighting of Taj the Genie until WizPig showed up in 1997. I can't imagine living in a world 50 years without Taj. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I mean, in my headcanon, or at least I don't even know if it's a headcanon, I extrapolate from the Diddy Kong Racing instruction manual story that... Taj was the proprietor of the islands, and then when he disappeared in 1947, Timber's family, uh, the the tigers, they took control of it, and that's that's where it eventually became Timber's Island. And while they still have control over it, you see Taj returning to prominence at the end of Diddy Kong Racing. He's got his uh, his head on the mountain. You know, right. so 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 maybe there there it's it's like he has an honorary title at, at that point, but it makes you wonder, right? Like, is there any correlation between Roswell and Taj's disappearance? Did Wizpig attempt an earlier invasion of Earth, and did Ooh. Taj stop him? And did they somehow become intermingled? Like, did Taj get locked in his lamp? In 1947, in this, in this duel of the fates with Wizpig, there there would be a cool prequel there, Diddy Kong Racing 47, where where, <laughs> <laughs> where finally we learn that Roswell, New Mexico, was Wizpig crashing his ship. Yeah, you know, finally answering the questions everyone's been asking for, showing us what we finally wanted to see. It's a common trope in sci-fi, though. I think Star Trek Deep Space Nine, they established that Roswell was uh, uh, Quirk, uh, the the guy with the swirly Cinnabon ears. Uh, he he crashed in uh, in 1947. Futurama, the aforementioned Futurama, yeah. also did the Roswell time travel episode. Wonderful episode. So, it's common trope. I'm just saying the DKU's perspective on Roswell, it could very well be Wizpig, or maybe Wizpig's forces. Maybe what one of Wizpig's space force uh, spaceships crashed in Roswell, and, and there's a there's a pig man dissected in New Mexico. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, that is quite a coincidence. Like. Of of all the years, fifty whole years. Fifty. It's such an odd number, too. Like, oh, nobody's seen Wizpig in twenty years. Yo, half a century. <laughs> what? And so yeah, I that 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 like jumped out at me uh, at the time because of course, like Roswell was everywhere that year, nineteen ninety seven. This was a year after Independence Day came out, and Independence Day actually like introduced the concept of Roswell to the normies of the nineties, like your 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 basic folk who didn't care about any of this stuff, who who just watched uh, what what was big in clueless. The, I, I I'm not even, like I'm talking about like the the middle aged adults who watched Caroline in the City, and oh. what, whatever was on NBC between Seinfeld and Friends, you know, like 
it, it's it's uh it's it's interesting though you know and and so that that was just like clear to me I was like is that a reference to Roswell? I read that when I read I thought that when I read the instruction manual and uh, I still think that anyway. Whizpig was the first extraterrestrial being we encountered then in DKU and what a first encounter what what first contact that is your your first yeah. space alien in the DKU is a giant pig wizard fascist warlord <laughs> that's so many things for this character i it's so weird that they they he's not only an alien pig man he has to be a wizard too <laughs> it's all over the fucking map and like they could have they could have picked one like he's a pig wizard got it all right that's all we yeah, need he didn't even need to i guess being an alien ties into you know future Funland. that's a good way to do it but he doesn't need to be like this magical wizard he's he's an alien you can just give him like alien technology he doesn't have to ha- be like a magic pig man I think the fact that it's so many things is what puts it over the top for me, though. It's so good. Because why can't there be wizards from space? Like, (laughs) Yeah, wizards aren't only... Earth doesn't claim wizards. Because too too often we, like, pare down the, the trope of the invading extraterrestrial to you are an extraterrestrial, that's all we need. You, you have, (laughs) you have technology that seems like magic to us. Uh, but that's it. You know, you've got a ship, you've got lasers that go pew pew, but you don't have any other, any other traits. And what I like about Wispig is he's got technology that goes pew pew, but he also has wizard shit. Yeah, he can, he turned a rooster into a frog. Yeah, he, you know, according to the renders, he can shoot lightning bolts from his fingers (laughs) and, and burn trees. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Right, great. He can fly of his own power. He doesn't even need that rocket that he that he rides around on. He can just fly and levitate himself. Honestly, I think the race where he's just flying and levitating is harder than the one where he has the rocket. Oh, it is for sure. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, I guess he was compens- overcompensating at that point for for something. <laughs> he had already lost too many times to these woodland critters and he was like you know what i'm just gonna strap this very obvious symbolism between my crotch and we're gonna have another (laughs) go at it and i'm gonna feel like uh like i'm uh i'm a i'm a i'm a fertile uh pig genie so I call him a pig genie. He's not really a genie. He, he's he's a wizard, but I guess he could be a genie. Like, I the, the contrast with Taj always makes me think of Wizpig in genie terms. He's not really a genie, but yeah. I, I when I think of them both, I think they're both genies. But yeah, Wizpig's just a wizard. They never they never specifically call him a genie anywhere, do they? No, they don't. And and I okay. I do think though that one possibility is that if Wispig attempted this invasion in 1947, Mamie Taj forced both of them into his lamp. And so Wispig did get lamped despite not being a genie. So maybe he's got like some sort of genie DNA now. <laughs> uh, and, and so like because why why was it Timber's fault that Wispig invaded if if there's an alien invasion 
in my neighborhood tomorrow, I'm not going to be like, well, this is on me, everyone. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. So I, I never understood that aspect that, oh, no, mom and dad, you know, put the island in my trust while they're away on Donkey Kong Island having a, a holiday vacation. And oh, no, alien invasion. <laughs> like, how about you just call your parents Call, like, all of the armed forces in the Rare Archipelago, like the the Squirrel High Command, the Mole Military, call them all in. Get everyone in there and, and have a go at this problem together. That would be the responsible thing to do, Timber. Not not home alone it, but... <laughs> Let's race them! Like, my, my possible fanon interpretation is that what if Timber found the lamp... And he rubbed Ooh, it and let them and let them out of the lamp, and that's why it's his fault. Yeah, that 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 would be like if I were to bang out a Diddy Kong Racing movie. If I were to bang out the screenplay, you have to make little changes, right, to make it a, a mm-hmm. more workable story for the silver screen. That's what I would do. That would be my big change to Diddy Kong. So, Racing so you would have that growth for Timber as a character. Yeah, later don't on. rub things. Timber. <laughs> that's that's the moral of the story. Do Just not rub things. R- only rub things that you know and that you know <laughs> want to be rubbed. It's a lesson for all of us in there. Yeah, we we can all relate to that. It was a timely message in 1997. So, Wizpig, we have actually not only seen Wizpig, but we've seen his planet. It's it's a rarity. Not every extraterrestrial in the DKU can we say we've seen his planet. But, Wizpig, we have. Future Funland is not the name of the planet. I don't think it's the name of the planet because it's a stupid name for a planet. Yeah, who calls a planet? Welcome to Future Funland. Right. Like, we, we don't call Earth present hellhole. <laughs> yeah, especially if this is Wizpig's planet. I assume... If Wizpig's this powerful entity who's trying to conquer Earth, I assume he would be ruling this planet. Why would he call it Future Funland? He just wanted everyone to have a good fun time at this at this fun racetrack. Uh, you know, if I called it a planet ruled by a giant pig wizard alien, people wouldn't come. But if I call it Future <laughs> Funland, then it brings in the dollars. Well, it does make you wonder. because a Future Funland would be the, I think... TT's designation for the the areas of Wispy's planet in which they race. Okay, I, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, because uh, the only time we hear Future Funland is TT saying Future Funland. Future <laughs> he just Funland. made up that name. Yeah, because that's that's the kind of silly boy TT is. It's 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 like space, so that's like the future, and and it's this is a fun land. So plus, plus if bam. If, if TT is from the golden age of piracy, if he was built as this magical stopwatch in the Sea of Thieves, then, yeah, of course this is going to, I mean, everywhere is going to seem like a future fun land to him, but especially Wisbix <laughs> planet. Yeah, he takes one look at, like, an, an, an alarm clock, like like a Garfield alarm clock, and he says, wow, this is from the future. And, and then he, you know, asks it out on a date. <laughs> So that's the game we need. <laughs> you know what? 
That's how we can get TT into Kitty's Kitties, because Kitty will could have a cat alarm clock, and then TT is its boyfriend. <laughs> this is going to be the best game ever made, and I'm sold just on that. TT shows up with a bouquet of roses and a box of chocolates. He's, I, 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 <laughs> he's like, hi, hi, Kitty, I'm here for my date. And then Kitty turns and licks the cat <laughs> and goes, meow. <laughs> this is a fever dream game. It gets worse every time more is added to it. So Wispig's Planet, we've actually seen <laughs> two prominent locations on it as well. Like, we, we, we've explored, like, the Dark Moon Caverns and, you know, just Space Dust Alley, which is just, you know, the, the... It seems to be very arid, the parts we've been. Like, there are palm trees, but it, it's very craggy. It's got, like, a lunar-type surface. But we've seen Star City, which seems to be a major interplanetary hub star city which uh is adjacent to spaceport alpha spaceport they have spaceports on whiz pig's planet and that suggests to me that people from other planets visit whiz pig's planet if they're if they can have a spaceport um at the very least you know we know whiz pig has some sort of I was going to call it Air Force, but I guess, sorry to say the name, it is a Space Force, uh, because <laughs> he, he's got the ships that fire on you uh, in future Funland. And, and they look like pigs. They, they, they got, I mean, Wizpig's own spaceship, his own personal craft, does have a pig head, but these also have pig <laughs> heads. And, and it raises the question... Are all of the denizens of Wizpig's planet, or or is the main species of Wizpig's planet also enormous pigs, or are they smaller pigs? Is Wizpig just an exceptionally large pig? Did he embiggen himself with magic? Did the oinks come from his planet and settle down on DK Island? Let's not get silly, Dustin. Yeah, we wouldn't want to. We wouldn't want to get into the oinks' history. I don't think pigs themselves are extraterrestrial. Like, I, I think, ju- just like <laughs> in sci-fi where human-type beings can have parallel evolution throughout the galaxy, I think so too can pigs. Especially when we look at the Lilat system, which we'll discuss later. Um, you know, they're, 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 there's a, some semblance of parallel evolution. They've got fox-like beings... Uh, bird-like beans, hair-like beans, toad-like beans, you know, um, and, and pigs and, and and panthers and 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 lizard boys and you know I'm just listing Star Fox characters now, but you know what I mean, like, <laughs> uh, but but they're all you know of humanoid proportions, as is Wispig, right. which does raise a question if there's a correlation. Or connection between Wispig's planet and the Lilat system. More on that later. Dot dot oh, dot. Oh my goodness. Now Can I just say Yes. I on the topic of Wispig, this isn't about his planet or anything. Okay. I really don't like Wispig's teeth. 
in the game Diddy Kong Racing, Wiz Pig has teeth that are like little nubs that you can see inside of his mouth. Yeah. And they make me uncomfortable. I just want to get that out there. Make my feelings known. I would rather ha- him have little nubs than big, chunky teeth like Donkey Kong does post-rare. Because um, I don't like the big, chunky teeth. I I prefer little nubs. And you know what's great about the little nubs is they even included the little nubs on WizPig's action figure. <laughs> the, Ew. The, the one official piece of WizPig merch uh that we've had thus far released, thus far released by toy biz in i think 1999 for their diddy kong racing line which only consisted of diddy in a plane banjo in a car and whiz pig on his crotch rocket he's got the little nubs in his mouth and it's it's great i i, I want to lick each one <laughs> okay i mean you can i'm not gonna take that away from you you know maybe what? I, maybe I'm just missing the beauty in those nubs. You know what? I won't do it now. I won't derail the podcast, but that will be my special treat at the end for a job <laughs> well done. You got you got to work your way up to those nubs. Yeah, I'll lick each one t- until the dawn comes. <laughs> so, anyway, aliens in outer space. Anyway, yeah, we're talking about some weird things here. Like aliens. <laughs> Did you know, though, that we have actually seen WizPig's planet? We, we, we've we actually seen the whole thing from afar in Diddy Kong Racing. Wow, I did not. Yes, when did this happen? Yes, you did, Dustin. I, I told you this when the Idaho crew was streaming Diddy Kong Racing, but nobody seemed very interested with my amazing trivia. I'm sorry. I, you know, if I was reading the chat, I would have been super interested, but I was busy carrying those races. So there is a ringed planet in the future Funland border. Uh, there, there's a border for each world in Diddy Kong Racing. And the future Funland border is that of a ringed planet. Sort of similar to Saturn. It doesn't look exactly like Saturn. It's like a more of a reddish, I think. Right. Okay, did you know that that planet is visible in Diddy Kong Racing on Snowflake Mountain? I did not know that. Yes. When, when is this? And then when you when you race on tracks in Snowflake Mountain, if you look up into the night sky, you will see the red ringed planet. Whoa. Uh, yeah, and now that that raises the question: It's like, wait, so you're saying? The the rare archipelago is not on Earth. It, it's on some sort of alien planet itself where a ringed planet is visible. No, that's not what I'm saying. So let's talk about the lighthouse and let's talk about interplanetary travel. So what is the lighthouse that shoots you initially to future Funland? My theory on the lighthouse, because this is never explained in the game, my theory has always been that the lighthouse was a pre-existing lighthouse on Timbers Island, just an old lighthouse, Mm -hmm. that Whizpig, perhaps in 1947, at some point reverse-engineered as an escape hatch to get back to his planet. So let's say something happens. Let's say that 
his ship is destroyed. Let's say that, you know, who knows? But he, he's got to find a way back. He's got it because he built a secret ship programmed back to his home planet in the lighthouse. But how can a stone lighthouse withstand interplanetary travel? In, like interstellar travel where we're going from one solar system to another uh how can that possibly occur like like you're going to be out in the void between solar systems where there's nothing well there's a wormhole obviously he opened up a wormhole above the earth and so Obviously. That is why the night sky of Snowflake Mountain does not match the night sky of Earth, be it the northern or southern hemisphere. It is because we are looking through the wormhole and we can see Whizpig's planet. So when the lighthouse takes off, it's going through that wormhole and it's going straight to that ring planet, barely withstanding the voyage. And it, honestly, the lighthouse was probably destroyed upon arriving because from that point on, there is just this uh, this portal that takes you right back to future Funland. You just drive over the little pad, and it just uh, it just beams you to future Funland, right. which is, which might have been uh, the doing of Taj. Once the lighthouse was destroyed, he was like uh, Al- Alakazam, Alakazoom, <laughs> and you know he he made he made a little little little, uh, little, little portal. So. I thought about this a lot, Dustin, as you as you can see. Oh, oh, I can see all right. I know you always think about things a lot. Yeah, well, especially when it comes to the DKU. Now, the only other thing I have to say about Whizpig and, and his unnamed ringed planet that is definitely not called Future Funland, until at least we get later on in the episode when we talk about the Lilat system... There is also the possibility, because Whizpig is a spacefaring tyrant who is trying to take over Earth, starting with this racing island full of small mammals and a, a turtle. Um, it, there's always the possibility that this ringed planet isn't his home planet, that it is another huh. planet he took over a long time ago, and that his home planet is somewhere else completely interesting yeah uh, i could buy either way like before this episode i'll be honest i never really thought of future Funland as whiz pig's uh home planet yeah like i don't know why that just never occurred to me even though it makes perfect sense that it would be um but yeah it could totally just be a planet he took over and he's like now raise me here so I mean, he's he's clearly got a throne on the planet. He he, but he also like because the first thing he did when he took over Timbers Island was he carved his face in the mountain mm-hmm. with the the weird face that became a fleshy face as as you collected the uh, <laughs> I hate the pieces that of the fleshy amulet. face. Yeah, I asked. I, him. I mean, <laughs> I I love it, but boy, it is very wiggly. I asked on Twitter once. What what happens? Could you slice off a piece of that mountain face? Like the part that became fleshy. Could you slice off a piece of it and fry it up as <laughs> as, as uh bacon? That's right. I uh I'd like to. I'd love to taste how whiz pig tastes. Would I it... love the DKU so much, Hyle. I want all of my senses to experience it. 
would, would it then grow back? Would that be an unlimited source of of pork? Oh for, my god! You could Island? feed. You could end world hunger if there's just endless whiz pig head. I mean, mindless the the faiths and re- world religions that don't eat yeah pork or yeah, vegetarians and vegans who would eat, despite it being a self-replicating source of meat and you know you're not doing the real whiz pig any harm by yeah, eating this mountain it, but but i'm sure there's still some just, ethical concerns about eating a mountain's face yeah i mean it is alive isn't it like it does a is fun it? evil laugh I mean, it does, but can't Wizpig just... I mean, Wizpig sends out those ghostly projections of him. Um, oh, that's true. So, could he just not be controlling this mountain? Like, now laugh. And he wiggles his fingers. <laughs> he goes, and, uh, I'll scare you and now fly into my mouth and we'll race. Also, what if Wizpig tried to have sex with his mountain face? This is a bad episode. Let's start this whole thing over. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, you know what? He's from outer space. I don't want to judge his customs. Maybe that's just what his kind do. Who am I to judge? You know, maybe, you know, you 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 break in the new planet you take over by making a mountain face in your image and then having sex with it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Wizpig, you do you, I guess. Bless I this I guess that's mess. literally what it is. <laughs> anyway, uh, it, it, it's possible. Like, he's definitely got a throne there, but we saw him try to do the same thing on Timbers Island. He First thing he did was make the mountain face, which also exists on Future Funland. You know, maybe this future Funland is just another planet that fell under his tyranny, and he's from elsewhere. We don't know. Yeah, it used to be uh, not fun, and then Wizpig took over it, and now it's future Funland. <laughs> he did a good job turning things around. Oh, if only fascism was that much fun, then I wouldn't be worried <laughs> about anything at all right now. <laughs> they put the fun in fascism. That no, there's no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See. Uh, so, anyway, those are my thoughts on Wizpig. Thank you for attending my TED talks. You're uh, welcome, but you owe me one. <laughs> so, 1998, 1999, no aliens, no no extraterrestrials in the DKU. Two thousand. Banjo Tui comes along, and Banjo Tui had a lot of weird shit in it, right? <laughs> uh, Jolly Rogers Lagoon had a lot of weird shit in it, like it, it had space aliens. It had the lost continent or lost civilization, I guess, of Atlantis. Like, yeah, like like. like a lot of conspiracy culture just brewing off the uh, the Isle of Hags here. So, <laughs> yes, there is a spaceship that crashed in the waters off Jolly Rogers Lagoon, off the Isle of Hags. And it, it is a flying saucer, perhaps quite like the one I saw, 
back in my my uh, my early days. And there are there actually there are actually four adult aliens in the spaceship, but only three are named. But um, <laughs> what did that last one do to not get a name? I don't know. It, it's it's really weird. They don't list it in the credits. They list the other three, and I think they forgot they had a, they had a fourth one in there. <laughs> That's so funny. I never thought about that before. Yeah, so I, I'm disappointed in us, in DK Vine, that we've never given a fan a name for this one. And it should be hard to do, considering they're all, they're, they're named Alf. Uh, I guess it's Betty, or Betty, uh, but it might be Betty, like similar to Betty, but it's B-E-T-I. And Gamo. So, uh, you know, just, just Greek uh, letters, you know. Um, sh- right. W- wouldn't be hard to come up with a fan name for the fourth. But these are bulbous head greenish aliens. Extraterrestrials. And they are very similar to the classical depiction of the gray aliens that we're all familiar with in pop culture. You know, the the head itself is just iconic. Even if you don't follow ufology, you are familiar with just the standard alien look. Uh, it really became in vogue in the 90s, but uh, it originates further back from that. Actually, it, it comes... Um, like from the 50s and 60s and and there's argument like if they don't exist how did we arrive to this point where this is what the in the popular imagination extraterrestrials look like you know there's a lot of interesting uh back and forth about that but um Mm -hmm. yeah they're grays and and i think this is the dku depiction of what grays are uh, look like in the DKU. That's my interpretation. I, I think so too. Um, I know you wanted us to kind of have a kind of argue and uh, you know have a heated debate, but yeah. no, I totally. What else could these things be? Yeah, I mean, uh, they they definitely have the bulbous head look down. the The eyes aren't completely black like grays are reported to be. They've got you know more yellowish eyes, but that's fine. They don't have to look exactly like grays. Yeah, um, they're their own kind of greys. But they, they, they operate very much like greys are supposedly, you know, um, um, act when they abduct humans. You know, they're, they're very cold and clinical and cruel at, at points. Um, and... and we don't know what their purpose is on Earth. That's never really established, right? What what right. they're doing on Earth. They're just doing a routine mission to Earth. Maybe abducting humans. But then they uh, they crashed in uh, the waters off the Isle of Hags and the Rare Archipelago. Which is interesting. Because there is the lost civilization of Atlantis just right next to where they went down. And, you know, there, there's a lot of crackpot theories. Um, you know, Atlantis, as we know it, probably didn't actually exist. It was probably a metaphor. But in, as far as the DKU is concerned, Atlantis definitely existed. It existed off 
the Isla Hags, and it was a contemporary rival to the Kremlantis Empire, which was the Kremlin's massive seafaring empire of antiquity. I love the idea of two sunken civilizations, and they're just like competing sports teams. Yeah, I mean, there was Edland. I think Atlantis was first, and then the Kremlins were like, all right. Kremlantis! <laughs> what What now? Huh? huh? We can do it better than you. Yeah. And and then that is interesting, too, because in the Atlantis ruins, and this is an entirely different episode, but they've got the <laughs> uh, they've got the mermaid statues in in Atlantis and Banjo-Tooie, and the mermaid statues are identical to the mermaid in Donkey Kong 64. Wow, there's so many connections. So it, it like, were the Atlanteans allied with the merfolk? And in fact, um, Seabreeze Cove and Tropical Freeze, um, it, it, it's also this like ancient sunken kingdom uh, with like advanced t- technology and magic. But if you notice, it's it's designed for beings that already live underwater. Um, it's got mm-hmm. like the tunnels and stuff that you swim through. Which makes me think Seabreeze Cove is where the Mer people are from. And Ooh, they, I like that headcanon. They allied with the Atlanteans of antiquity against the Kremlins of Kremlantis. And then, you know, I'm not going to get into Emotep here. Don't worry, Dustin. But <laughs> Emotep- I was sweating over here. I was kind of like, oh, geez, it's coming, isn't it? Emotep definitely played a part in this. So... You know, but but there there are theories like, oh, were, were the Atlanteans, were, were they, uh, you know, ancient aliens, you know, the, the aliens guy, you know, aliens, you know, you know, you know yeah. the big haired guy. Uh, you know, it, it's a trope, but a, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of discussion in that community, the ancient aliens community about Atlantis and all these ancient civilizations. By the way, while we're on the subject of ancient aliens because i know everyone here loves them some ancient aliens the one documented sighting or or confirmation of ancient alien activity in the donkey kong universe was actually in donkey kong jungle beat now a lot of people play that game and they walk away with this impression that maybe Ghastly King slash Cactus King, they are aliens or, or something's going on with extraterrestrials. Well, that's mostly picked up on from the tubes. Yes, tubes. The tubes that transport Donkey Kong throughout the faraway lands. And they are these tubes with the head of a dragon. And... Of course, Jungle Beat sort of climaxes in the Starfruit Kingdom, which does take Donkey Kong into outer space. And so my theory when I was playing the game were these uh, dragon tubes are actually space dragon tubes that were put there by an advanced extraterrestrial race that had visited the faraway lands long, long ago. And it it turns out that that might actually be the developer's intent. One of the few things that holds true in the original Japanese canon of the game. 
and the much more lackadaisical Western interpretations of it. So, uh, whatever happened to the space dragons, we don't know. But where they came from, we don't know. If they, you know, if they collapsed sometime thereafter, if if they are from the Lilat system, that would be a cool connection, especially with Dinosaur Planet and and the original lore therein. But for now, we, we don't know anything about the Space Dragons except they visited the Rare Archipelago, the Faraway Lands. They built some sort of gateway or wormhole to what the denizens of the Faraway Lands, the little capuchin... Uh, party monkeys what they designated as the starfruit kingdom so uh yeah space dragons where where was i the the great grays the the atlantis grays in atlantis grays that crashed in atlantis right so the fact that these we'll call them grays just for a lack of a better term these grays crashed right off the coast of where Atlantis went down makes you wonder if, you know, maybe they were doing a checkup on Atlantis. Maybe their civilization had a prior contact with Atlantis or maybe something in Atlantis caused them to crash. Yeah, I was going to say, what if there's just something in that general part of the world that made both Atlantis sink and a spaceship sink? Yeah, so anyway, I, I just think that's interesting. Again, this is this is just all stuff you can infer and that's what I love about the uh, the DKU and, and how Rare operates is they layer their games with this stuff, but they never provide a definite answer, allowing weirdos like me to come in and be like, "Oh, hey, this, 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 and this. They're all connected. Let me <laughs> let me let me do a multi-hour podcast and explain to you how." Yeah, I guess that's why the conversation is still around. It, at first glance, it seems like you would have run out of material for these episodes a long time ago. But the, nope, there's still stuff like this. There's gold and then the oceans. There's gold that I melt down for fun because I'm so rich. <laughs> I'm so Mr. rich. Mr. Rockefeller. I, I melt it down and I pour it over my nipples. And I'm like, look at me. Look at me. I'm high. I love gold. gold. Oh, you ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you know where greys come from, Dustin? Space. Oh, ah, you got me there. No. <laughs> do you know where in space they supposedly come from? I do not. Uh, they they supposedly come from Zedi Reticuli. 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 I've never actually said it out loud. <laughs> Zedi Reticuli. Uh, they are Zedi Reticulians. Uh, so th- this is a binary star system in the constellation of Reticulum, which is visible in the southern hemisphere, faintly. Uh, but but this comes from the Barney and Betty Hill abduction. This, this is one of the most famed alleged alien abductions in history barney and betty hill they were a couple who were supposedly abducted by what what we we like they they described as grays this is one area where our uh the the first depiction of the gray 
in the 20th century came from. And uh, when, like, the, the Greys showed them all of this stuff and showed them a star map of where they came from, and um, they... I, I think Betty Hill replicated it and didn't didn't know what she was drawing, and then uh, somebody uh, took took what she drew and compared it to the night sky and said, "Yeah, this is uh, this is in reticulum." So uh, huh. Zedi reticula is where grays allegedly come from, and I think that's that's good enough for me. That that's where the Banjo Tooie aliens obviously came from. <laughs> is, is is that where? Barney and Betty Rubble got their names. Oh my god, I hope not. That's weird. <laughs> I never thought... Wow. I never made that connection. Um, that was the first thing I thought of when I read Barney and Betty. I, I stopped after that and I said, oh, Rubble. Wait, Hill? Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm looking this up right now because uh, in popular culture, let's see. Um, all right, nothing about the Flintstones, but you know what? We're going to put that in the Mamie file. <laughs> yeah, un, un, undisclosed. <laughs> anyway, look it up. That's, that's a whole interesting story in and of itself, but mm-hmm. the, the Banjo-Tooie aliens are interesting because they also have children, and and I say this is interesting because... A lot is baked into the Grey mythology that the Greys are not able to reproduce through biological means. They they have to reproduce through science, either because of cloning or, or whatever. They have been uh, rendered completely sterile, so they have to reproduce through genetic means and that is why they're abducting humans is is to to do all sorts of uh stuff on them put put their uh their alien dna in in our wombs and you know yeah Yeah, i mean all they have to do is ask (laughs) you know there's so many thirsty people online who would love to bang a gray medically (laughs) that is uh yeah so the, the fact that they have Alphet, Bidet, and Gamut, uh, it, it raises some questions. Are, you know, where did they come from? Did they come through scientific means? Are they alien-humid hybrids? I don't know. Probably not. They, they, look, they just look like smaller versions of uh, the adults. But, uh, that, you know, the, the, the one gray child has the little Jinjo plush. So Ooh, we're getting into it, huh? Well, yeah. So, of course, the episode that Malik and I did a uh, month or two back, uh, the Bistrary Jinjos, we, we brought this up. We said, you know, obviously Jinjos are from Spiral Mountain, as established by Banjo-Kazooie Grunty's Revenge. But... Do they have an origin in the stars? Are they actually originally from outer space? And and this was so long ago, they don't even remember it. But uh, during the 90s, there was a lot of correlation between the Chupacabra, 
you know, the the uh, the famous uh, Mexican goat sucker who, uh, go, you know, the little, little creature who goes around and, and sucks the blood out of livestock and uh, other animals and um, and aliens, uh, because a lot of the chupacabra sightings of the era resembled gray aliens Mm-hmm. And and this was before people just decided chupacabras just look like mangy coyotes. So there was this theory that maybe the chupacabras were like the pets of the greys who got out of the spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> this this was seriously being bandied about in the nineties. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're they're probably gray pets who who got out. <laughs> You know, maybe maybe a uh, gray was walking one, and uh, the leash broke. It saw a squirrel or something, and ran away. And they looked for it, but they had to leave. And and oh, ma- maybe maybe the chupacabra was already pregnant, and it it had a litter of chupacabras in the in the <laughs> <Just> south. <laughs> anything that could go wrong in this situation did. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it was in Mexico in the American Southwest, and they. Uh, you know, before we knew it, we had a whole just invasive species problem of chupacabras. It happens, right? Oh, <laughs> man, it's always a sad story, someone losing their pet. I know, it's heartbreaking. I, I don't like to think about it. It makes me want to hug my dog, but that that's that that, that that's just a nonsense theory. Uh and I don't even <laughs> I don't even think like I think all of the stories about chupacabras looking like greys has been debunked. I say that, though, but the File 2 Productions mascot is a gray chupacabra. I'm looking at the little uh, model on my desk right now. Uh, that And, in fact, Enrique, our, our mascot, who you hear at the end of most episodes of the conversation, is, is that that's what he is. That's what, Love that little guy. Yeah, that that is that's, that's what you're hearing. You're hearing a chupacabra at the end of our uh, at the end of our uh, lovely podcast most weeks. But do you think Jinjos were a gray pet that escaped the ship long ago during one of their earlier trips to I don't know Atlantis, the rare archipelago, and uh, a whole litter of Jinjos got out around Spiral Mountain. And that is where Jinjo's civilization. It's possible. It never really occurred to me that that's how it would be, but uh, it's totally possible. What I thought it was, was Jinjo's kind of had their own thing going on, and they're just so cute that this uh, gray alien child just had a doll of it. She's like, buy me the Jinjo toy. I want the Jinjo toy. Because Jinjo's... Do you think Jinjo's are the outer space minions? Or like uh, Grogu? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They were just like really huge. Maybe maybe the Jinjo program never made it to Earth, so when the Jinjos came to Earth, they just uh, felt they just blended in naturally with the ecosystem. It's possible. The, the only thing is Jinjos like seem to have no knowledge of this. And maybe it was buried over the generations, right? Like, maybe King Jingling was made aware, like, when King Jingling became king. It's like, all right, we're going to give you the file. We're going to give you the king's secret book on Jinjo history. (laughs) And he's like, we're from where now? 
Um, but there, there are no like you would think like the it's not this is Battlestar Galactica. They didn't just, didn't throw their spaceships in the sun and be like we must never we must never pass down the knowledge that we were a spacefaring civilization. So it personally, I like to think that if there was a connection with the Greys, they got like they the Jinjos were left behind, and that's why they never left earth is because they had no means to leave earth. But I, I don't know. It's, but it is fun to think, Hey, maybe Jinjos are also from Zedi reticuli. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I'm 100% on board with that, like specific theory. I could be like, if they yeah. came out and said, that's how it was, I'd be like, okay, cool. Um, but I do love the idea that Jinjos are from space. Yeah, and, and of course, uh, I, I think Malik and I even like overlooked this when we were doing our episode. But in Witchy World, you know, Gruntilda has the uh, uh, the freak show attraction, and she labels the Jinjo in the cage weird killer alien. And <laughs> does Gruntilda know anything? Probably not. This isn't like Gruntilda having any arcane knowledge. It's probably just one of those coincidences that plays as the level of subtext. Like tipping... Two two things tip the, the hat in Banjo-Tooie to Jinjo's being from space. That's the other thing. And then if you put yeah. them together, you're like, oh, it's a clue. It's a clue. You know, being a Beatles fan, I have this long laundry list of why Paul McCartney was replaced in 1966. He didn't die like people think. That's nonsense. He was replaced by a doppelganger that he worked with behind the scenes. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. um, It's one of those things where it's like, well, there are only like two things that point to Jinjo's being from space, but that's... That's still two whole things. That's more. That's two more than there were beforehand. I have to tell you, Dustin, that's more things that point to us being from space. So, oh, that's true. I guess Earth is in space. Oh shit, you're right. <laughs> I, I I have to tell you, you know that that encounter I had with the UFO. Sometimes I think, did they abduct me? Did they replace me with a doppelganger, much like Paul? You're Hile two point Yeah. Is this the fact that I'm so weird down to me being uh, a robot? Yeah, probably. I mean, that's what I've been thinking for a while. You know, it's you, fine. You were giving off some robot-esque qualities, but that's fine. That's why we go to the website. It's fine. You know, I like me. I, I Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the natural born, the real me who was abducted and taken away, he, he probably would have grown up to be a monster i mean (laughs) fuck him you know like i hope he's dead they did they did the world a favor by bringing in they they took one look at hile 1.0 and said no 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 this will never do here we'll give you a better one that's gonna enjoy video games about gorillas and bears no 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 wrong way is something (laughs) is something the new hile will say quite a bit but just i would love if hile's evil twin came down and fought for Hyle's place on Earth. I'm sure you wouldn't like that, but no, I that, think it would be a nice twist. That would be a good twist for a later conversation season. Like, that would be a good cliffhanger. You know? <laughs> 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 and then, and then uh, you and Cameron and Jeff, you know, you're, be- you're between the two of us. It's like, 
don't shoot him. I'm the real Heil. <laughs> I don't know which one to shoot. Yeah. I hope that happens, man. That That's exciting. So I'm sorry I got your hopes up. <laughs> the, uh, the Greys did come back in uh, Nuts and Bolts, the Terrarium of Terror. I was thinking that this entire time, because uh, <laughs> earlier today I was like, I know Hyle's going to want to talk about the ones from Tui, but what about the ones from Nuts and Bolts? Well, they're mm-hmm. the same ones, weren't they? Yeah, they're just, uh, they're just like in a uh, stasis. They're yeah. in a cryosleep. Which makes you wonder, like, because so much of Nuts and Bolts, it, it's hard to parse out because... The Lord of Games is just manipulating everything. And, like, this came up during my stream yesterday, or not yesterday, but earlier in the week, where I I was talking about Banjo Pilot and its relation to the continuity, because Clanker is obviously in Banjo Pilot, and there's a big aspect of Clanker and his his fate in Banjo Pilot post-Banjo Kazooie that's established there. And I was like, well, Banjo Pilot is canon, even though its its placement is is debated. And somebody said, you know, yeah, but it's nuts and bolts canon. I was like, well, yes, nuts and bolts is canon. Absolutely 100% yeah, it's canon. Yeah, of course. But um, a lot of nuts and bolts can't be taken at face value because the everybody is like going through the hoops by log and you know they're they're playing roles they're 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 not being themselves and so there's this level of artifice over everything for the majority of nuts and bolts so it's kind of hard to figure out what it can be accurately ascertained and i think like the uh the grays are are one of them because it's like are they in like cryo sleep because they were on an interplanetary journey and this is the cryo sleep they go on or did Log put them in cryosleep? Either way, he snatched them up for the Terrarium of Terror. But yeah, it's interesting. They could also just be props. <laughs> if Log yeah. made these worlds, they could. He just could have said, "You know what? I'll make some aliens out of styrofoam and call it good." I don't like that though, because <laughs> I also don't like that. But it is a possibility. Like I, I am not anti nuts and bolts, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I, Me I, I am pretty positive when it comes to nuts and bolts. But one aspect I do not like about nuts and bolts is that artifice. It's just that same. Y- you're, you're just in these domes. Nothing seems to really matter. It's just, it's just so antithetical to what I love about rare games. Same, totally. Yeah. So, at very least, give me the aliens. Give me the greys. <laughs> Come on, give me the aliens. So, th- those are the big ones. I-, I would say, like, Whizpig and the greys from Tui are, like, the biggest encounters uh, during the rare era with Nintendo. There, There is another so-called alien in Conqueror's Bad Fur Day, but this is much more disputed. And I, I'm, of course, talking about Heinrich, the xenomorph, the very obvious xenomorph parody at the end of the game. Um, so, so the question when it comes to Heinrich, who, by the way, I should point out, is named after Heinrich Himmler, the famous Nazi, because, of course, the professor is, is a parody of Dr. Strangelove, who... Uh, Doctor, not Doctor Strange, aka Benedict Cumberbatch, 
from the <laughs> from off of the multiverse of madness but dr strange love or how i stopped worrying and learned to love the bomb the the classic uh, stanley kubrick movie from the 60s cold war era classic flick uh but but dr strange love was an ex-nazi scientist brought to the u.s uh, operation paperclip and uh, the professor with his teddies is, is is kind of a play on Doctor Strange Love, among other inspirations uh, for you know, the, the the crazed Nazi scientist and Heinrich. His uh, his end game when it comes to the Panther King is is named after a Nazi. So back when you know we made jokes about Nazis, so we didn't we didn't think Nazis were going to be a problem. 20 Whoops. years down the line. Oops. <laughs> Oops, all Nazis. So, no! <laughs> man, uh, get that out of my cereal bowl, let me tell you. So, Heinrich, real extraterrestrial or no? I want to hear your thoughts on this, Dustin. Uh, that's it. Mmm. That's very interesting. I want to say no just because it was. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the professor got like an alien from space and somehow put a a, a little baby alien fetus inside of the Panther King. For, for those um, of you who aren't conquer aficionados, <laughs> the professor there. There's a whole. I'm not going to get into the milk wars. It's this whole crazy thing. It, it, it's so convoluted and contradictory. But basically. The professor is the subjugated uh, assistant to the Panther King. May have been the Weasel King. Uh, had his had his lost his legs, and uh, he's he's plotting against the Panther King. He he wants to overthrow him and reclaim the throne. And uh, he he eventually d- does this, albeit very temporarily, by putting a xenomorph. In uh, in the Panther King, I think it's implied that he put it in his milk, and so when the Panther King drank his milk, uh, he ingested the Xenomorph, and it grew inside of him, a la you know the Aliens franchise, and mm-hmm. burst out of his chest, killing him, and then Conker had to fight Heinrich, and the only the only thing we have to go on that it may be a real alien is the. Um, the computer voice in the bank vault when 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 Conker is uh, facing off with doing the Super Mario sixty four tail swinging thing, uh, the the robot voice says throw the alien out the airlock or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. but it's very clearly modeled after the Xenomorphs from the Alien franchise, which to me suggests that. The professor just created one in his lab based on the Ridley Scott, James Cameron movies. I could see that. It is interesting how it's just straight up a xenomorph. Right. As a little kid, as a little kid playing this game, uh, I shouldn't have. But when I was a wee, when I was a wee tyke, it never struck me as weird that they could just have this alien from the Alien series here. Now, as an adult, I'm like, how the hell did they just get away with this? And I think that's why it's blue in Live and Reloaded. Oh, yeah, that that should really fool the lawyers. 
<laughs> can't get us now. Are Xenomorphs blue? Thought so. Hmm. Yeah, I think it was just Chris Siever and crew and, and Rare thinking this is the end of the game. Nobody's gonna nobody's gonna know. <laughs> nobody's gonna know. Nobody's gonna play this. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm yeah. Just, I was just talking about it with Cameron when we were discussing the fan gamer merch. And it was like, you know, we're getting the great mighty poo. We're probably never going to get Heinrich uh, because it's just a xenomorph. <laughs> it's just a xenomorph. <laughs> That's true. That does kind of suck. I'd own a Heinrich toy well, that makes noises when you squeeze it. Pro- probably we wouldn't get one because it's just a xenomorph and it's named after a famous Nazi. Those are both good reasons, yeah. Yeah, probably why we're also not going to get us a professor is because his his full name is a slur, and he's a Nazi. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, fan gamer was like, "Yeah, let's just go with the giant mound of shit." <laughs> Somehow that's the most marketable one of these characters. It's <laughs> the safest route when it comes to the Conquer <laughs> cast. Yeah, when we're going to do a villain from Conquer, let's go with the Guess shit. it's got to be the pile of shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's a real extraterrestrial. I think the professor created it in his lab based on the movies, and it's just a straight like parody not, I don't think there are real xenomorphs running around in space in the DKU. I th- I think that is the best way to look at it, too. Just since he's a professor, he does crazy wacky science, it totally ties into who the character is. It makes more sense for him to just create an alien than it would t- be it, it, for him to just go out in space and get one. You're right, yeah. Uh, and, you know, we could talk about future war and, and the fact that, you know, the teddies do go into space and, and the conflict between the SHC and uh, the teddies, you know, does become interplanetary in the future. Yeah. But at, at that time, in that era, I don't think, un- unless one, like, unless, like, uh, an egg was in a meteor uh, you know, and, and the professor found it, and, you know, there's a lot, there's lots of workarounds there, you know, the the trope of Nazis, you know, hunting for religious artifacts and, and stuff from the gods, and, and maybe there is this uh, xenomorph embryo, you know, layered into that, but it's probably just easier to say no. <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> no don't worry about it it's, yeah it's, it, it, it's one thing to say like oh he made this in a lab because he's a scientist but it's another to say oh he went on this crazy adventure where he found an alien in a meteorite yeah and granted i i would be all about exploring that you know if we got yeah we, you know, we're getting Sea of Thieves novels by Chris Alcock. I, I would love to see Chris branch out into other areas of the DKU. Write us that Conquer novel prequel about the time. I would 100% read a Conquer, like any sort of Conquer extended uh, media. The Times the Professor found an alien embryo. <laughs> Bet you didn't know. Yeah, that 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 would be number one on the bestseller list. <laughs> I want a book about Bert. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, 
I'm just imagining that announcement. It's just like <laughs> we've heard your demands. Like three retweets: one from DK Vine, one from Gibbon, one from one from you. Actually, four. I guess the Conquer uh, for Smash campaign on Twitter would retweet it. <laughs> that's it. Uh, that that's what i want most that's on my wish list all right well l- let's let's leave conquer behind surprisingly few aliens in conquer considering like it, all the areas conquer goes uh i i guess we would have seen aliens in conquer's other bad day but not canon didn't happen so yeah uh l- let's move on to a game that's near and dear to everyone's hearts. It's Mr. Pants. You might be thinking, if you haven't played It's Mr. Pants, despite me just saying it's near and dear to your heart, everyone who's listening to this, how the hell were there extraterrestrials in It's Mr. Pants? Well, there was pretty much everything in It's Mr. Pants. That's why it's so great. So in the art you unlock throughout It's Mr. Pants, you get little slices of life. Little pieces of what Mr. Pants gets up to when he's not hosting the television show It's Mr. Pants. Or when he's not running his fashion empire, his his, uh, mail-order underpants catalog. Or he's not modeling the underpants himself. Or he's not hosting his first show where he just dances in his underwear for like an hour, which is what Boggy is watching in Banjo-Tooie. We, we, we get little pieces of Mr. Pants' domestic life. It turns out he's a regular guy just like us. Well, he's a regular guy who fathered a child with Mrs. Pie. Mrs. Pie, who was married to Mr. Pie. Uh, Mr. Pants impregnated her. And it was totally cool, though, because Mr. Pie was like, Well, it's Mr. Pants. What am I going to do? <laughs> You know I'm not what? just going to say no to Mr. Pants. Did you see that show he had where he danced around? Yeah, so uh, Mrs. Pie has a son, Toby Pie, who is Mr. Pants' biological son. And, and Mr. Pants and Toby, they, they have quite the relationship. They, it, it's quite the healthy relationship considering the uh, unconventional nature of their family unit. And... One of the things Mr. Pants and Toby Pie did, you know, quality father and son bonding, is they made a homemade rocket in their backyard, and they shot themselves to the moon. As a father and son would do. You know, wow. You know, I one, one time my uh, my dad and I, we shot off a bottle rocket. Behind the house. This was a different house than the house where the UFO stalked me. This was when I lived in Virginia. So so I, there's no worry that I was going to shoot a bottle rocket up into the UFO and start some sort of, you know, interstellar war. Man, imagine that timeline. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they go to the moon. And while they are on the moon, by the way, of course, Mr. Pants, the first thing he does on the moon is he he puts a pair of pants on a flagpole, red Y fronts, and he puts it on the moon. <laughs> of uh, course. Yeah. But while on the moon, he meets uh, a little green man. 
And the little green man apparently had a robot sidekick. And so what Mr. Pants does upon making first contact with this extraterrestrial race is he put a pair of red Y-fronts on his head and (laughs) named him Pluto Pants. You are now Pluto Pants. And uh, and and then the the little robot, the the actually the giant robot, also put uh red Y fronts on that, called him Robo Pants. Wow, Mister Pants is really persuasive. And this didn't cause an interplanetary incident. This didn't, you know, lead to the annihilation of Earth. Turns out, Pluto Pants loved it. And, and they, <laughs> Pluto Pants and Mr. Pants and Toby Pie and Robo Pants, they got on famously on the moon. I'm so glad. Imagine how bad that could have gone. But instead they were like, we love these pants. Considering Mr. Pants is just a guy who can impregnate somebody else's wife and it'd be totally cool. And Mr. Pants <laughs> just gets even more beloved after that. Like, it's not a huge celebrity scandal in Pantsland. You'd like you'd think it would be like you know on all the 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 tabloids like no it's just like <laughs> oh that's Mister Pants that's, that's Mister Pants for you and uh, no Pluto Pants also fell under his charms he he brought about peace to a to a different planet now you're familiar with Pluto Pants right Dustin oh I'm familiar with him I'm looking at him right now on my phone <laughs> did you just Google Pluto Pants. <laughs> no, and you want to know why is because if you Google Pluto Pants, you don't get anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm testing out that right now. I just looked up it's Mr. Pants because I I knew he was in one of the art one of the promo artworks for it. Hold on, so so th- there there are plenty of clothing outlets selling things called Pluto Pants. But 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 it was, but it's nothing like the the great Mr. Pants character, Pluto Pants. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, he's he's got his own little uh, spacecraft. Um, and just like this this oh, his own like personal spacecraft. Um, for one, I guess he I guess yeah, some, he just sticks right out of it. Yeah, I, I guess somehow Robo Pants comes along, but. Pluto Pants is not a gray. Pluto Pants, he's got little antenna sticking out of his head, right? He he he's also right. got he's got got little elfin ears. Um he, he he's similar looking in some biological sense, but he has a different species. He's closer to the little green man archetype popular in the 1950s, which Yeah, he's like the great kazoo. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think it corresponds to anything in actual ufology or uh, alien mythology, but uh, there, he is just straight out of the retro-futuristic sci-fi of the post-World War II era. And probably not from Pluto, let me just say. I, I feel like <laughs> Pluto Pants was just Mr. Pants saying, you know... 
IW Pluto Pants. Like like he's being knighted. <laughs> like this this is your moniker. This is what I'm gonna call you. They probably didn't even speak the same language, but they just communicated <laughs> through the sheer love of red Y friends. I, yeah. I I love this. I, I love this story. This little implied meeting between Earth and and whatever species Pluto Pants belongs to on the moon with Mr. Pants and his bastard son. Yeah, it, it, it's not like this big, crazy story. Oh, we met this uh, advanced alien civilization. He just meets an alien and gives him pants, and then he wears the pants. Yeah, and then they have fun, and then Mr. Pants plays <laughs> golf on the moon. <laughs> what a story. This is just the kind of shit Mr. Pants gets up to. And this is why you need to play It's Mr. Pants, because the story will unfold for you. Oh, the stories Mr. Pants can tell. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I don't know where Pluto Pants comes from. The fact that Pluto Pants was scouting our moon, he's probably just, you know, an explorer from somewhere. I don't know if he comes from our solar system or not. Who knows? Uh, he, he he's He's probably from elsewhere. The fact that he looks similar he's got the yellow eyes similar to the zedi reticulans from banjo tui might suggest from from their neck of the woods but but maybe they don't have ears though they don't have ears or antenna no i'm not saying he's from their planet okay i'm I'm just saying he might be around those like somehow related yeah you know like like chipmunks are kind of like squirrels. You see them in the same place. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I never thought of Pluto pants in that way before. <laughs> He's the chipmunk to the Zedi reticulin squirrels. Heil, I don't get how people got around before this podcast. <laughs> they were just sitting on the floor, spouting <laughs> gibberish, drooling. Because they didn't know how to deal with the complexities of modern life. All of these extraterrestrials in the DKU. They needed someone to come along and show them the way. We're all so very thankful that you showed us the way with uh, Pluto Pants. <laughs> I, I fucking love Pluto Pants, Dust. I'm not gonna I lie. Do t- I do too. I've, I haven't, I've played a very small amount of It's Mr. Pants. I know mm. I need to play more. So I never got to that fun little heartwarming story. But just looking at him in this artwork, I love Pluto Pants. He's just having fun. Can I just he's, say... He's just in this little spacecraft. Have you done It's Mr. Pants on the Idaho crew yet? We've talked about it. Uh, maybe we'll have to do that this week. Hmm. It, it would be a treat and a half. I'll here. You know what? I'll I'll put in a good word with the upstairs. You know, I I might be able to talk them into it. But I really want you to discuss the lore that unfolds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm so down. Like I said, I've only played a little bit, but I love everything about it. So, up until now, we've only discussed creations from Rare. Rare brought us the most extraterrestrials across the DKU. But, leave it to Payon, those great fans, those great admirers of Rare's work, 
when they developed their three Donkey Kong games, it was DK Jungle Climber that Payon got to put their own stamp on the interstellar story of the DKU. And I have, I'm, of course, talking about one of, ev- like, I'm not going to say this is everybody's favorite Payon era character, because I know a lot of people love the Kremlins that were introduced in, um, oh, shit, D- DK, Don- the the barrel uh barrel barrel blast barrel that's it barrel blast i was like barrel racer no barrel <laughs> rider no that's the hobbit uh, uh jet jet race is what it was called uh in pal territories uh no because barrel blast is it's such a weird name because you're not actually doing much barrel blasting in it yeah, don't you just have to like ignite them the one time for the for their bong for their bongo cars to go? Yeah, like you've you've got the the bongo belts that are jet powered. I guess they're. Oh, yeah, bla- those aren't barrels. Yeah, and then you barely blast out of barrels in the game. Like you do a few times. Yeah, but it's not like a major gameplay component. So even though I do this for a living, I I study Donkey Kong and the DKU for my career uh, because I am an alien replacement. I forget the name of that game on occasion. It just falls out of my head because it doesn't seem like it should be the name of the game because it it doesn't add up. Uh, King of Swing, that makes sense. Jungle Climber, sure, why not? Barrel Blast, especially because uh, before it was released, it was being called Donkey Kong Jet. And and so, like, to me, like, that was a cooler name. Donkey Kong Jet. Yeah. Yeah, man. Donkey Kong Jet. Uh, and, and then yeah. it became Jet Race uh, everywhere else. But but in, in the Americas, it was Barrel Blast. I guess it's because... They're little flying apparatuses. Are are those meant to be barrels? They're they're meant to be like are those barrel bo- rockets? Well, they're they're like bongos, but even the DK bongos look like barrels. So it gets yeah yeah. I don't know because originally it was going to utilize the DK bongos, and that's how you raced. You you hit the bongos, and you know, and, and then they they moved it to the Wii, and they used the nunchucks, and so but they still had the the bong. Anyway, we're not really <laughs> we're not really going to talk much about barrel barrel maze. No, that that's barrel blast. No, we're going to talk about jungle climber first because Xananab. People love Xananab. I think Xananab. I love Xananab. I, I feel like Xananab. He might not be everybody's favorite Peon era character, but I feel like Xananab is one of those characters that. He feels like he could be a rare character. It's that seamless. You know, we talked some shit about Professor Chops on our Juicy Jungle episode recently. And and part of that is just Professor Chops doesn't feel that much like a rare Eric character. He's missing something. Some essential weirdness. And Xananav has that. You don't get much weirder than an alien that looks like a giant banana. Looks like a giant banana and talks in a dialect that is based on the Banana Fanafo Fana song. What? 
Who came up with this? I love it. And and also, yeah. why wasn't that song in Donkey Konga instead of Diddy's Diddy's? Yeah, if you're just going to have, like, songs for little two-year-old children anyway, have one that actually has bananas in it. Yeah, I would like... Chuck, 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 Bobuck, Banana Fana for... <laughs> oh! That's why I didn't go to kindergarten with anybody named Chuck. They were like, what? Your name's- I'm not going to chance that shit. They, so many Chucks tried to go to kindergarten with me, and then they were like, sorry, you can't be in this class. We're going to do the banana song. <laughs> You're too young. Maybe next year, pal. No, they they kicked them out, and then they led a life of crime. Oh, no. That's why all the Chucks I know are in prison. Oh, jeez. It's a cursed name. So, Xananab is just an uh, an alien banana. Like, we, we've had... <laughs> I mean, there, there, there's, no, there's no way around it, Dustin. We, we've had alien... We, we've, we've had extraterrestrials in the DKU. We, we've had, like, extraterrestrial pigs and, and the greys and the, whatever Pluto pants is. And we've had banana creatures. We've had banana birds. We've had banana fairies. Later on, Retro Studios would introduce banana sprites. But here we have a banana extraterrestrial. And not just a singular one. We visit his planet. Planet Plantain, which is such a great name, by the way. It, it, it like everything about Xananab slays. Just yeah, ab- it just feels so well thought out. Well thought out, weird and perfect, and and perfect for Donkey Kong. This is why Payon is revered. Even even if people didn't like Barrel Blast, Payon like is still revered because they were able to hit such high marks. They got Donkey Kong in a way. That few get Donkey Kong. So we visit Planet Plantain, which, by the way, is shaped like a banana. The planet itself is shaped like a banana. It's not spherical. It's (laughs) banana-shaped. Perfect. (laughs) Uh, And and we visit the other uh, Plantanians? I I don't know. We we, we see the other ones of Xananap's kind. They're all banana creatures. Dustin, in the show notes i've included some helpful screenshots for you of this wondrous meeting of kongs and plantanians and what i love about the plantanians is they're not just all replicated xananaps they come in all shapes sizes and colors there are different races of plantanians we've got green plantanians and I imagine they're not seen, but that makes you wonder, are there red plantanians? Are there blue plantanians? How about purple <laughs> plantanians? All the DK64 colors. Lanky can only talk to the blue plantanians. <laughs> no, because I feel like the plantanians don't have the bullshit segregation that <laughs> earthlings invented. That's our sin. Don't put that on plant. Yeah, you can talk to you can talk to any of them. 
Plantanians are are pretty much perfect. But you you've got Plantanians with mustaches. I Dust- love the mustache one. Dustin, these banana people can grow facial hair. How fucked up <laughs> is that? I love it. That's so good. It, it's it's just <laughs> I I can't believe someone said these bananas need mustaches. And I'm so glad they did. Just just everything about them. The fact that they're like they've got the peels and their arms are made out of the peel, right? It's so it's so perfect. But then they've got the little feet sticking out from the peels and their feet and their legs are the the banana, the, like the edible part of the banana itself. Oh, oh man, yeah. I, I love these creatures. I wish they would invade us. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, we clearly don't know how to run this planet. Let's surrender to our Plantanian overlords. Because I've often Turn this said, shit around. I've often said, look, we failed. It's time for the Planet of the Apes. But <laughs> if we can't have the Planet of the Apes... Let's get the planet of the things apes like to eat. Yeah, that's the next best thing, right? Right. Uh, the planet Plantain is also so well thought out because it orbits or is very near a wormhole. Now, I talked about wormholes when I talked about Whizpig and his planet and, and, and how it relates to Timber's Island. Here, it's just established in a game. You go through the wormhole. Uh, which, yes, yes, please. Uh, so, uh, I don't know if Planet Plantain actually orbits the wormhole, or if it's just right next to it, but it allows their kind to travel to Earth. It's just a wormhole that, boop, pops you out near Earth. And I I love that little detail. They've got the banana-shaped spaceships. Um, everything is banana-shaped, right? Their house, <laughs> they gotta stay on brand. Their houses are banana shaped, which which is funny because you know we don't have human shaped domiciles. <laughs> I wish we did. That'd be great. Yeah, I mean, I you know because then you know usually in like these big high rises, I would imagine the uh, the top floors cost more money, right? right. But if you had a human shaped high rise. How much would it cost to live in the crotch? <laughs> it's in demand. Everyone always goes for the crotch first. Everybody wants to live in the sweet, sweet nether regions. <laughs> One other thing I'll say about the planet Plantain, just, just the general aesthetic, is that the sky is green. And it's just a little detail that the atmosphere of planet Plantain would not be identical to Earth. The conditions for the blue sky that we're familiar with aren't the same. And it just makes Mm -hmm. it feel alien and otherworldly in a way that you might forget. The fact that you're dealing with uh, a civilization of banana beans, you might lose the fact that you're on an alien planet. Because this is just the kind of weirdness that exists in a rare archipelago as it is. But no, uh, we've got the green sky to help drive home. Donkey, Diddy, and Cranky are not on Earth right now. Right. I love it. Uh, we got. I think the green really brings the planet together. 
as uh, DJ Cat alluded to, and, and as uh, apparently Karate Joey called in seasons and seasons ago, is is there some sort of ancient alien link between the Plantanians and the rest of the banana creatures in the rare archipelago? I don't know how I feel about this. Just like you're a little bit uh, like mixed on some of the like Jinjo theories of, of mine. I don't know how I feel about this. Like if, if the planet Plantain and the Plantanians should be behind banana birds and banana fairies and the banana sprites. That might that might be too neat for me, but I I'm not sure. What do you what do you think? Uh yeah, it it's interesting because I kind of feel like if that were to happen, like if there was that connection, I kind of feel like it would have come up earlier i guess like someone would have thought about it i mean i guess that's silly to say the uh plantanians didn't exist when dkc3 came out but um you know it i kind of feel like dixie and kitty would ask like hey where did you guys come from oh we belong to a race of uh banana aliens or like is this a jinjo and gray situation were the banana birds the pets of the plantanians and they got out and they got out and uh i i I, again i don't know how i feel about that there might be some sort of link combining like i i've often thought about maybe there is this evolutionary link going way back between the banana birds the banana fairies and the banana sprites like maybe they have a common ancestor and hey maybe that common ancestor are the plantanians what are the you know what are the plantanians doing visiting earth are 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 they observing areas of dense banana growth? I don't know. Like like what what what's what's going on with them? What are they doing? They're very friendly, but you know the Kremlins attack. Um, well, actually, the Kongs attack Xanonap first, I guess. Um, right? It, it doesn't yeah, matter how jungle climber um, starts. I. <sighs> I was reading up on the... It's been a long time since I played Jungle Climber, but I was reading uh, the wiki for it, and I believe it said that the Plantanians, or Xananab, attacks first because he thinks they're Kremlings. Okay. And then the Kongs destroy their ship, and they're like, oh, it was just a big misunderstanding. Big misunderstanding, yeah. I I, I think it, the implication, though, is that Xananab has made many the trip to the rare archipelago. Yeah. And, um... I mean, they got the wormhole for it. They got the wormhole for it. So, maybe, like, this is where bananas come from. Like, I'm not saying this is where banana birds necessarily came from. I'm saying this is where all bananas came from. This is where bananas originated from, the planet planting. They grew them initially on earth like and that's where bananas originate from at least as far as the dku's understanding of it Mm, so you're saying bananas themselves all the bananas in the rare archipelago stem from the plantanians i'm saying all bananas everywhere wow that's yeah that's a lot of bananas and that also makes you think, like, 
you know, whenever you buy a bunch of bananas <laughs> at the grocery store, you're like, I'll thank Xananab every time I buy bananas. You know, you know, all those stupid uh, Joe Biden stickers people are putting on the gas pumps recently. Um, I hate here those. in the States. Oh, yeah. I ripped one off when I was pumping gas this morning. But it, it's it's him pointing um, at the, the price saying, I did this, which mm-hmm. isn't, isn't, isn't how gas prices work, people. Um, I, I don't I know people don't bother looking into how things work and they just yeah we know you think you're clever but you're not but i i was trying to rip it off and they're so cheap you know they they just rip in half when you try to rip them off i was trying to preserve it because is an idea that uh jeff and i had was uh, what if you take one of these stickers and you put it somewhere innocuous like on some some produce in the grocery store so what if you put <laughs> on, it on a gallon a ba- of milk what what if you put it on a bag of grapes and and, and somebody <laughs> looks at that and, and they're like joe biden did the grapes what does that mean <laughs> joe biden did the grapes what does that mean so <laughs> what i really want to do is get a sticker of xananap pointing saying i did this and i want to put them on all the bunches of bananas at the grocery store yeah, and and that's a that's a nice one. That's not like trying to pin the blame on someone. That's right. just saying this person gave you this alien, this banana alien gave you bananas. Are isn't that great? Right. I think maybe then Zananab would get the respect he deserves. I think this would start to bridge the massive political divide in this country. <laughs> that's true. We can all just join the banana party, right? Right. They will show us the way. <laughs> we don't know where the planet Plantain exists, but the fact that it's adjacent to a wormhole, it could be anywhere in the galaxy. I, I do think it's in the galaxy. I, 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 th- I don't think they're that far away, but it's probably some sort of distant corner where astronomers have never, never been able to observe that weird planet that's shaped like a banana. Maybe someday. I, humanity <laughs> just isn't ready yet. I'm ready. You're ready. <laughs> I, I think most of our listeners are ready for it. But you're right. You're right. Yeah. The peop, it, it would shatter everybody's conception of, <laughs> of what existence really is. A living banana? I can't deal with this. Uh, hello to Gibbon, by the way, in the live stream. Hello, Gibbon. Hello, Gibbon. We're just talking about bananas. Hashtag just banana things. So I, I, I said before that like Rare introduced most of the extraterrestrials in a DKU. We, we kind of leapfrogged over this because this is where things get complicated and, and massive. Because Rare didn't really introduce this. This was introduced by Nintendo, but then it kind of became grandfathered into the DKU thanks to the convoluted nature of their very last Nintendo console game's development. Yes, I'm talking, of course, about Dinosaur Planet. I'm talking about Star Fox Adventures, and I'm talking about the Lilat system. So, it's it's often overlooked, right? Because... Star Fox games, Dustin, uh, 
they don't really have contact with Earth in the Star Fox games. That's true. It's true. And so just like when we're watching a Star War, we're not sitting here thinking, these are a bunch of space aliens. Like, Like... when I'm watching Luke Skywalker or or Ray Skywalker, spoilers. Well, I guess the spoiler would be that she's a Palpatine, but she becomes. <laughs> or, or, or or I'm watching The Mandalorian from off of The Mandalorian, or I'm watching The Mandalorian from off of the book of Boba Fett. Because hey, where did Boba Fett go? What? Why is the Mandalorian? I am not thinking. Wow. They're weird space aliens. I'm thinking these are people because I don't have the context of them interacting with Earth or me, my existence. Uh, but the Lilat system—they're a bunch of space aliens. They're—they're they're, to us, they are space aliens. They are extraterrestrials, and the Lilat system is actually similar to Star Wars because here we have a very dense solar system. Filled with many of the planet, most of which are inhabited. It's like a fully colonized solar system full of many different species of sentient humanoid animals, I guess. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh... On the edge of the Lilat system, there is also Sauria, a.k.a. AKA Dinosaur Planet. And that is full of extraterrestrials who very much resemble the dinosaurs of Earth's prehistoric period, albeit without feathers. They look more like the classic depiction of dinosaurs as we knew it before we all decided... They probably had feathers. Let's stick feathers on them. Even if they look stupid. <laughs> Ooh, Heil not a fan of the feather dinosaurs. Huh? I mean, I, I, yeah, it's historically accurate, but they look stupid. We all, look, we all preferred the way <laughs> dinosaurs looked when we were kids, right? Let's just go, you know, that's, that's why I love Soria, because it provides an in-universe explanation for why dinosaurs can look correct. <laughs> correct. <laughs> <laughs> just just yeah. Yeah. but uh yeah the, the lilac system dust what are your thoughts on, on the lilac system grandfathered into the dku thanks to star fox adventures and that story continued star fox assault star fox command uh but you know star fox star fox 2 star fox 64 star fox 0 all nebulously canon backstory even if we don't acknowledge it as completely part of the dku what are your thoughts on i guess everything um i want to say i like it but i kind of feel like a lot of these planets we don't really get to know that much about like you kind of get vague general ideas um but, you know, Dinosaur Planet, or Saria, that's the one that you get a whole game around. That's the planet you really get to see, like, all the different parts of uh, the different ecosystems and different races on the planet. All the other planets on Star Fox, in the Star Fox series, are usually just there for the stage and that's it. It, it they're, yeah. they're, they're just set dressing. 
Yeah, they never really go into them except for you know uh, Corneria. Um, I guess that's it. But you know, like there's uh, the name's not coming to me. But there's the lava planet in Star Fox sixty four. It's just a lava planet. Uh, you have the one that's underwater. Uh, and but that's all you know. You don't really know anything about what any civilizations on these planets. And so I, I like the idea of the Lilat system, but there really just isn't that much to connect with. So I, I like Star Fox Assault. That Star Fox Assault is my favorite traditional Star Fox game. And partly that's because you can get out on foot and walk around and you feel like you get to spend more time in some of these environments. Like Corneria, there, there's the entire mission in Corneria City where the Aperoids are attacking and, and you get to like go out through the city and you've got like the the news station on the big monitor like reporting mm-hmm. reporting on the invasion and it just feels very real and lived in and of the moment and it feels like a real place and, and but you're right like uh Saria dinosaur planet that is where we spend the most time just because you know that's the only Star Fox game where you spend the entirety of it in one location one planet so but yeah i mean the, i i feel like it's just Um, a, like the whole Lilat system is just a place devised for your your sci-fi tropes through the prism of Nintendo, and originally you right. know Shigeru Miyamoto and his team, and then Rare, and then Namco, you know. Um, but do you want to hear my theory, Dustin, on how the Lilat system does connect to Earth? I would love to hear that, Heil, which works out because I'm the one on this episode of the podcast. Yeah, it, it would be a shame if you said, I don't care about it. <laughs> I yeah, don't want to hear no. it. I just said, no, I'm not interested, and that's the end of that. But let, let me let me ring up Steve McCorkle from off of Rare Gamer. St- Steve <laughs> wants to hear your opinion. Let's get Steve in here while I go take a five. <laughs> so... I uh, this is this is a, a crackpot theory of mine that I've shared before. So why, if the Lilat system is full of extraterrestrials in their own like closed off solar system, how do they speak human language? Whether it be English or Spanish or French or Portuguese or whatever you're hearing them speak in your region, your language. How are, how are they speaking it? And you're and you're like, what what are you talking about, Heil? What the fuck are you talking about? It's translated for us. Don't be a dipshit. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, harsh, I, I'm, I harsh. don't know if I would have said it in those exact words. Here's the thing, Dustin old friend. Star Fox 64, Falco has a has a derogatory insult. When when you accidentally shoot upon him, and he says, "Hey Einstein, I'm on your side." Now, I don't know how familiar you are with the term of that colloquialism, that 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 little the little little Einstein reference there. You know, it's like, "Hey hey genius, 
What are you doing? Well, Einstein yeah. was a real person. His name was Alfred Einstein. That's right. Look it up. He was a he was a brilliant scientist. He invented gravity. <laughs> Einstein existed in a in a, in a time of of war and strife called war world war i i the 11th war war that encompassed the entire world dustin right right all right so my theory has always been they speak human languages in the lilat system because they were picking up transmissions from earth circa world war ii that's how falco knows who einstein is and then they 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 cracked these languages right Mm -hmm. And, and the uh military channels of the lilat system including the mercenaries started using these languages as their own military code interesting no it's stupid but (laughs) (laughs) you know it's funny you bring that up because i i know this game in particular does not tie into the dku but in Star Fox 64 3d the 3ds uh remake of it they changed that line he no longer says uh einstein he says hey genius i'm on your side yeah, they did change it, but it doesn't change the fact that it happens. It already yeah. happened. You can't change the past. You can't retcon. You can't just patch out Star Fox 64. <laughs> it happened that way. So, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. That's uh, not how reality works. I get to have fun with it now. Yeah. <laughs> of course, you know, we've, we've got, like, uh, translators, too, then, later on. Uh Star Fox Adventures establishes translators. So the mm-hmm. dinosaur language uh can can be translated. Uh so, you know, there there's some wiggle room there, but I like to think that's why we hear them speak our languages because they actually are. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Uh you I I feel like you're jumping through hoops if you if you just say, well, obviously they wouldn't be speaking English. Uh, well, it's well, obviously you can't have a actual person who is a rabbit and fox and bird. So I think you can suspend your disbelief and say they're speaking English. No, I or can't. Japanese or, or Japanese or, or whatever language, you know, you speak and you're you're playing the game. But I can't. Yeah. I can't suspend my disbelief. I need to come up with a rationale for it. So. <laughs> and the, the Einstein thing was just like once I once I made that connection, because when Star Fox Adventures came out, I, I like spent all, like many nights trying to piece together the lore and how it relates and, and make it all work. And once I went back to Star Fox 64 and I heard that, Everything kind of clicked. I was like, oh my god, that's it. Because, you know, uh, Star Fox, the entire series, has to take place in the past. Everybody thinks it's a futuristic thing, but no, it, it has to take place at the very least a few decades ago. Because Tricky, at, you know, when we, we meet him in 1997 
in Diddy Kong Racing, he's an adult. He's just, he just, he's just a little kid. He's just a wee little wad in, in Widow Star, baby Twicky. Star Fox Adventures. And then Star Fox Assault, he's like teenage tricky. Yeah. So, so the, the, every Star Fox game is actually a prequel. Yeah, I that that's so weird to think about, but it is the only way that makes sense with Diddy Kong Racing. I mean, you you could get into like he went back in time through a wormhole, but let's not get let's not get stupid here. Let's yeah, not, let's, let's not get crazy here. All right, this is a serious conversation with only serious ideas. Just <laughs> we're 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 thinkers. We're we're. uh we're academics like Alfred yeah, Einstein. We have we have real uh smart guy conversations about things like banana aliens. <laughs> so anyway, uh that being said, there are some instances of the Lilat system interacting with planets outside of the Lilat system. And this is where things get curious. So, do you know what the planet of Serenia is, Dustin? Not even slightly. Serenia is the planet that Crystal comes from. Let me read you this excerpt from the Star Fox Adventures instruction manual. (gasps) The only survivor of her doomed home planet of Serenia, Crystal roams the galaxy in search of answers. When a distress call takes her to a small planet in the Lilat system, Crystal suspects that she may f- finally be drawing closer to the truth. Wow, it's just all right there for us the whole time. Serenia is not in the Lilat system. Crystal has been roaming the galaxy in search of answers to what happened to her planet, and she arrives on Soria at the beginning of Star Fox Adventures. Now, what's interesting, too, is we can figure out what happened to Crystal's home planet. It's it's never spelled out in Star Fox Adventures, but when she sees, at at the end of her playable segment, you know, we we get the the Andros vision in the game, where Andros is is kind of... uh, spying on the happenings and everything's kind of green and hazy his ghost is spying on things because the plot of star fox adventures is andros is trying his ghost is trying to resurrect himself right Right. and he's going to use the power of the krizoa to do it but when crystal spots andros's ghost before he attacks her and, and imprisons her in the crystalline structure she says you as if i i i know you i know who you are yeah so, also, Crystal seems to speak the Saurian language, which is interesting. Uh, and, and yeah, because she's just arriving here at the yeah. beginning, right? Yeah, and, and that's even spelled out in the instruction manual. And and a lot of these are threads left over from when the game was Dinosaur Planet and there weren't Star Fox elements in it. And, and you know, so... so a lot of this probably just wasn't thought through by Rare as they were trying to race to the finish line to get this out in light of the buyout. But mm. uh, I, I think that there is some sort of connection between Serenia and Saria, despite them not even being in the same solar system. And it's clear that Andros knew of Serenia because Andros 
came to Serenia as a ghost and, and basically did a dry run uh, of his Saria scheme, which might suggest there are even Krizoa elements on Serenia, which implies the sh- like there's there's some sort of shared heritage and culture between the two. So maybe the Krizoa left the Lilat system, or some Krizoa left the Lilat system and went to Serenia, and you know. That that would also explain, hey, there's also what other fox-like creatures, humanoids, on 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 this other planet outside the Lilat system. Okay, sure. Because <laughs> in one alternate, Why not? one one alternate future, Fox and Crystal, uh, they they have a child together, so they're biologically compatible. Right, yeah. like, like as far as re- reproduction goes, so the, 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 I I think like there's some sort of ancient alien shit happening with Serenia from the Lilat system, probably involving the Krizoa, uh, and the Krizoa maybe brought different elements from the Lilat system to Serenia. Andros found out about it, and that's why he did his dry run on Serenia, which is how Crystal lost her planet, and then she went in search of answers, eventually found the Lilat system and Saria, and that takes us to the beginning of that game. But again, that all has to be inferred, because it's right. none of it is spelled out in the game, but it's the only thing that really makes sense. It's so funny, because I think you might be the only person on this planet to think of that. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure even the people at Rare... Uh, back in the day, who made and worked on this game would just be staring at me right now like, you're an idiot. What are you talking about? Get away from but- me, you doo-doo eating weirdo. Like, doo-doo. <laughs> I do agree with you, though. This is uh, this is the kind of stuff I like. You do infer just what little information you have. Like, before this, I never even thought about why Crystal would speak Saurian or... Mm-hmm be uh, a fox creature uh it 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 is a very clean uh clean cut explanation and of course that you you have to ignore the original lore of dinosaur planet which yeah some of it very clunkily just remained within star fox adventures and i I, (laughs) was like well nobody's gonna notice nobody's gonna notice who cares who cares? who cares no one no one's gonna talk about this on a podcast in 20 years well guess what Jokes on you. This is why I do feel like a lot of people at Rare hate me. <laughs> no. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Some of them are very polite and kind about it. But behind the scenes, I'm sure they despise everything I do. <laughs> Can you believe this guy talking about Star Fox adventures? There, there's also, in Star Fox Assault, there are the Aperoids, the, the insectoid kind of hive mind that also come from outside the lilac system and invade the lilac system. It, it's a extra uh, system invasion. And we don't really know where they come from, but we do visit the Aperoid home planet at the end of the game. They use the orbital gate that uh, Slippy's dad, Benito... Uh, Beltino. Beltino. Benito was Mussolini, who was an ally of the Nazis, like Himmler, 
All right. So, uh, Beltino, that's right. Ben- Benito Mussolini toad, Slippy's father, <laughs> uh, kept the orbital gate. You know, he was an awful man, but he kept the orbital gates running on time. So <laughs> he was, a, he, and he was a frog. You got to give him that. That gets him some extra points. <gasps> a frog with a little mustache. <laughs> yeah, how could you hate that? You could be the worst person on the planet, and I'd be like, but look at his little mustache. I really want Beltino and uh, the mustachioed Plantanians to uh, like host a grooming show on YouTube, like like <laughs> facial hair grooming, you know. They keep theirs so tidy and neat. Uh, every, I, I feel like people would benefit from it. Meanwhile, I shave and I get ingrown hairs all the time. And I'm like, fuck, how does Beltino Toad do it? <laughs> he do makes the, it look so easy. How do those dapper bananas at the end of Jungle Climber get away with it? <laughs> I know I shouldn't compare myself. It's not healthy. Yeah, but you know, it's hard when you see such perfection. <laughs> Yeah. I want to see the same perfection when I stare in the mirror. <laughs> I gotta have that perfect Beltino face. So again, we don't know where the Aperoids come from, where their home planet is from, uh, what what system it exists in, just that the Aperoids could reach it. Uh, like the, I think they, the Aperoids just go to system to system and devour everything assimilate like the borg from off of star yeah, trek exactly and uh have you played star fox assault oh boy have i i've played it multiple times really the idaho crew did a stream of uh star fox assault we did finish the game that's and right, it went that's right it went multiple hours after our normal cutoff time it's a it's, it's great i love it yeah um i i'm not as in love with it but i do like it a lot um I, I feel like it gets uh, maybe I feel like both it and Star Fox Adventures kind of get the shaft in terms of uh, the Star Fox fandom. Maybe that's totally wrong, but uh, I, I never see anyone really talk about Star Fox Assault. And if they are rarely in a positive light, but I like it. I think it's a fun game. Yeah, it, it's us. It's it's usually us who go on yeah. about and, and we've claimed it as part of the Dinosaur Planet trilogy, so it is kind of, we just like, it's, it's like we got it in the divorce with the Star Fox fandom. And it's... <laughs> Look, you guys can reboot the series, do your Star Fox Zero, but we get to keep these ones. We get to keep these three, that's fine, and and, and the shared backstory of the, uh, the earlier ones, sure. So, the Aperoids, of course, they... they as Cameron Regal put it so succinctly, they curb stomped Dinosaur Planet. They <laughs> they they did a number on it, and they they it, it's it's kind of tragic. They wiped out quite a few dinosaurs. Like they didn't cause any extinction level events, but they did such a number on it. And cl- like off screen, they killed Tricky's parents. Uh, tri- oh you know, no! King and Queen Earthwalker in Star Fox Adventures. They die off screen in Star Fox Assault, and Tricky becomes Earthwalker King. Tricky does appear in Star Fox Assault, as I said, he's a teenager. And weirdly enough, he sounds like the midway point between uh, Kev Bayless in Star Fox Adventures and Kev Bayless in Diddy Kong Racing doing Tricky's voice. Uh, it, it, it's, it's weird. I, I, I don't know if the vocal act, like voice actor studied 
the way Kev Bayless sounded in Star Fox Adventures and just aged it up. And of course, it would sound close to closer to Kev Bayless and Diddy Kong Racing. But it's just amazing how that works for our purposes, making the claim that Tricky in Diddy Kong Racing is the same Tricky in Star Fox Adventures. And, and Star so- Fox, Namco's Star Fox Assault is the one that really helps bridge the divide. Yeah, it, it's awesome. I love stuff like that, especially nowadays when Star Fox just wants to reboot itself over and over and over again. Yeah. I really like that uh, you have a game that shows progress in this world. It builds off of what came before. Surprisingly, not a common occurrence in the Star Fox series. Yeah, I, I love I, I love the way the Dinosaur Planet trilogy unfolds. And I know people don't like where Command took the cast, um, just the weird, weird relationship that Fox and Crystal ultimately ended up having. And, you know, yeah, I, I agree that that game made some choices that, eh. but, you know, uh, the first two at the very least. And and look, I, I, I applaud Star Fox. Command. I, I think Star Fox Command, anybody who says it should be thrown out of continuity, they're just cowards. They they just they just you know what? You, suck it up yeah i mean i i also get it because it is very complicated with all these endings but i i you can just pick one you can just pick pick one one. of the endings to make canon multiverse you know every every action leads to the creation of a new reality the hero falls time like this is zelda fans do it all the time eat my ass exactly eat my (laughs) butthole if you if you think this is too hard um (laughs) Anyway, app the Aperoids, they do a number on Soria. Tricky becomes Earthwalker King. Do you remember at the end of Star Fox Adventures when Tricky said that he wanted to explore the stars? Oh, how could I forget? Yeah, that's an important line. So, what happens? Uh, how, how does King Tricky help rebuild Soria? Well, you know, considering in the span of, what, a year and a half, they have the... Um, the Sharp Claw Uprising General Scales Rebellion and the planet breaking apart. And then, like, after that, they have the Aperoid invasion and near annihilation of their kind. Tricky's like, we're out of here. So, Tricky This le- planet's cursed. Tricky leads an interstellar exodus of Saurians. Now, not all Saurians leave the planet, but, but Tricky leaves, and he leaves with a whole arc full of Saurians, and they eventually arrive where? To the planet Earth. Where? The rare archipelago. And and so I said that Diddy Kong Racing introduced our first extraterrestrial in Whizpig, but little did we know that it also introduced covertly other extraterrestrials like Tricky. And all of the dinosaurs we see in Dino Domain, they are actually Saurians. That pterodactyl you see flying around the volcano, that's a cloud runner. <laughs> our, our beloved uh, yellow dinosaur. Yeah, absolutely. And this also retroactively means that the dinosaurs in ter- pterodactyl land on the Isle of Hags, Saurians. The dinosaurs seen in the uh, the Conqueror's Bad Fur Day prehistoric chapters, Saurians. That's right. 
Uh, in fact, there are no living dinosaurs in the rare archipelago that aren't saurians. The closest we've come are the resurrected fossils in Donkey Kong Country Returns, which were revived by the Tiki Tech tribe magic. Those are actually native earthling dinosaur fossils. They are not right. saurians. Yeah. It, that is interesting that of all the series, Donkey Kong is the one that is not uh, affected. Like the one that actually is still owned by Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love that because it's it's actually set up with Tricky's whole story in, in his two Star Fox appearances. And it just it just worked. And then, of course, you know, Rare cheekily confirmed it on Twitter uh, mm. many years back which you know you, you 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 can go i think halfway with that stuff like you every joke they make can't be held as canon but if it suits our purposes yes it's canon <laughs> whatever makes it easiest for us so my question before we move on from the lilac system uh and we start getting into the more nebulous nebulas is uh, that's a good wordplay? I'm, 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 hey, I'm, look at Heil over here. Might not have great facial hair, but uh, I know how to. Uh, I, I know how to turn a phrase. You can play a word, as they say. Yeah, they do say in those bananagrams from the planet Plantain. Bananagrams, <laughs> ain't that? Are they the most adorable race of aliens? No, bananagram is a. Uh, it's like a Scrabble game. You get it. In the oh, banana. I didn't know that. I thought that's just. I thought that was just your little oh. funny thing for the plantainians. They come in the little banana pouches. And oh, I, those. Yeah, I hate it. It sucks. <laughs> just play Scrabble, but <laughs> just play Scrabble. You don't need the bananas. It's just easier. So, Whizpig, Whizpig's planet. We don't know where it's located. Is it possible the Lilat system could be where Wizpig is from? Because, hey, we've seen pigs in the Lilat system. Pigma, yeah, Pigma Dengar. Dengar, one of the best characters, I think, in all of, of human fiction. Pigma Dengar. <laughs> um, is it possible Wizpig is from the Lilat system originally? I don't think so, personally. I, I think there might just be a parallel evolution going on, but I don't dismiss it outright. Yeah, I mean, th this is another instance where if you told me this is how it, how it worked, I'd be like, okay, cool, fine, I can buy that. But it, I don't know, Whizpig and Pigma just seem so different. I mean, they're both brutish pigs who hurl insults and call people worms right that's but like, true but one is a wizard one is a wizard but hey look <laughs> like if, if somebody were to line you up dustin and they were to put gandalf and dumbledore next to you and you were you okay let's say you also had a big gray beard like you you went to the <laughs> you went to spirit halloween or party city and you bought a big gray beard and and you lined up next to gandalf and dumbledore and, and nobody would be saying like well yeah but he's not a wizard They'd be like, oh, yeah, they all look <laughs> he like just they has come. the beard. Yeah. The first thing they would say when they look at the three of you would be they all come from the same planet. That would be the absolute <laughs> first thing they would say. Guaranteed. 
<laughs> Look at all three of these bros from the same planet. Yeah, clearly from the same solar system. So I'm not dismissing it outright, especially Dustin. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tweak your nipples here. Tweak oh, your golden nipples. It's about time. Remember that wormhole I mentioned that's above Timbers Island where you can see Whizpig's planet from it? That's right. How I do the, remember. How did the Saurians get to Earth? Oh my goodness. How did they Are you how saying did, how did they arrive from that wormhole? How did they arrive right over Timbers Island? Oh my good golly goodness. And let's see when uh if Whizpig opened that wormhole in nineteen forty seven, uh you know that that was two years after World War Two is that wormhole maybe how they got the transmissions so readily from Earth, where they learned about Einstein, and, I don't know, just, just spitballing ideas here. Wow, I, I didn't realize, did you plan this out? Did you plan out this whole episode? That's, what a coincidence. No, Dustin, I've wasted my life. <laughs> You you wish you only studied this up for the episode. You've been studying this up for years and years. Um so Gibbon uh in in the live stream um says uh what about the uh Baffum dads from off of Star Fox Adventures? What about them? I like them. I like their name. I, I, is, is she implying that there might be some sort of link with Globos? Hmm. They are magical creatures with big old ears. Yeah, but I think, I think there can be magical creatures with big old ears just evolving naturally on, on planets. I don't know. Yeah. Like, like, um, I don't, I don't think we need to, like, sprinkle them from the same source across the stars. Spread the seeds around. Yeah, I mean, Globos don't really look like Baffum Dads, and their purposes are a little different. I guess that's magic. I guess bringing someone back to life is something Globos help do. So, recently, we we, we had Battletoads enter the DKU. (gasps) uh, with With the most recent game, Battletoads 2020. And... Of course, this is an entire game that takes place in space. This is all Oops All Aliens. Oops All Aliens, yeah. And this is a very, like, exaggerated kind of Rick and Morty kind of take on, on outer space. Um, but, yeah, did, did I, I, Dustin, you were on the Battletoads First Impressions episode we did. That was my first conversation. Congratulations. Thanks. Like, this is almost, like, too fresh in my mind. I don't have any grand theories about the Battletoads and all of the aliens seen therein. But do you you have any thoughts on on this? Not even slightly. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Like, I feel like in terms of uh, this alien world being part of the DKU, I just think it's a totally different... uh, 
system. <laughs> I guess it's oh, not oh, the yeah. lilac system. Oh, it's, it's definitely not... not the lilac system. I'm not even making yeah. that case. Like the, the <laughs> but like everything with the topians and there are pigs. There are pigs there, here. There though. are pigs. Yeah, but it it seems like it's its own kind of insulated spacefaring culture that hasn't yeah. really touched or brushed up upon the lilac system or planet plantain or and and for good reason like they're not gonna like reference planet plantain in the lala and rares 2020 game (laughs) battle toads but you know um you can't win them all can't no i was disappointed They, they do live in a system where they got sea of thieves though well yeah um Oh, un- unless the convention... Rash could have just came to Earth for the That's convention. What That's what I think, yeah. Yeah, because the Battletoads have come to Earth, right? Yeah. So, yeah, like, they they, they know of Earth. They, they can reach Earth, but um, they stay... We Like, we don't know what this system is called. I think it's... A, is it a solar system, or are they jumping from solar system to solar system? I'm not sure. It's It's been a bit since I played it. Um, I think it's just one solar system, but, but that that could be totally because wrong. Because there is a shared language and writing, and yeah. you know. So now, why are can they? Can I spe- just? Why are they? Can speaking I just say English? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I I just want to say it's cool. I really like the Battle Toads being aliens. Like to us, they would be aliens. To them, they're not aliens. But imagine. A ship comes down from the sky. You're going to make first contact with extraterrestrial life. And they're a bunch of radical toads. <laughs> they say, what's up, guys? Let's play some video games and have some adventures. Yeah. Either that That'd or... That'd be great. Either that or the the bananas, I, I think, would be the ideal yeah. first contact with an extraterrestrial race. Yeah, because the ones from Banjo-Tooie... Wanted to destroy the planet. The only reason they didn't was... Was it their laser was jammed well, or they left it at home? They didn't come to destroy the planet, right? They, yeah, Alf, but they were going to. Alf after. just got agitated because it took them so long. Yeah, And exactly. he, was, he was just like going to destroy it on a whim. And then they misplaced... The laser was back on the ship. So he was just like, oh, well. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, though that doesn't strike me as aliens I would like to interact with. Well, I know that and that actually like uh I think ties into the way grays are reported, you know, as being if you believe they're real and that's, you know, dicks. I like that one of them likes Jinjos. That's cool. That's a relatable trait, but I don't necessarily think i would want to interact with aliens who just say oh you took a little too long well we'll just destroy you whatever that doesn't sound like cool people they're dicks like you said well but then again the one who liked jinjos was the child so yeah just like with humans there's hope for the future in the youth exactly the older generations we pretty much have to write off (laughs) That that's just grandpa. He's from a different time when destroying the earth was okay. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna be like ruminating a little bit more on Battle Toads and their place in in the cosmology of the interstellar community that is the DKU. Um, but then I got like, who knows? Yeah, who knows when we'll see that take on the Battle Toads again, or if ever. So it's you know. 
but, but I it's, hope so. It, it it's still it's still cool that we got that glimpse of and and uh, you know kind of a, a well thought out um, take on life, a, a more comedic take on life in another solar system. So, right. Another recent, more recent DKU vintage uh, of alien life doesn't really count. Because I'm talking about Ukulele's Galleon Galaxy. Now, Galleon Galaxy is, yes, full of extraterrestrials. But there's kind of an asterisk next to it because it's accessed via the Grand Tome of Galleon Galaxy in Hyvary Towers, created, written, conceived by the Ghost Writers. Basing right, it, it on on sci-fi conventions and our understanding of them. So yes, Shell and the Blamphibians—they're extraterrestrials, but they were created to be extraterrestrials. Right. It, it's kind of like Log creating the worlds in nuts and bolts. That even if it's like this outer space world, it's technically not because it's a book it, it, it it's a world within a world it's a world within our world i guess and yeah so so it, it's it's i i think they have more agency than like just saying like log did it or log made us act this way they, mm. they have they have independence they have free will and like to the Blamphibians and to Shell, their war is very real. I mean, it, mm. it, it matters, right? Even though if even if they were created by the Ghost Riders, that ultimately doesn't matter for them at that point because they are still real living beings. Like we might have been created by uh, a space octopus, Dustin. Doesn't really matter to us. We're still doing a podcast about aliens in the Donkey Kong <laughs> universe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But in our world. This would not be considered outer space. No, and so actually, they're not extraterrestrials. They are terrestrial. They're maybe interdimensionary, uh, it, like. But even that, it, like, I, I know some people's interpretation of the Grand Tomes is you're actually hopping dimensions. I think they are self-contained worlds within the books. Um, so, yeah, and, and maybe they, they have like they can sprawl infinitely. That, that realm and and Galleon Galaxy almost implies that if they are like different planets you know but who who knows who who knows who can say yeah uh and finally but before we get into the DKU adjacent rare games that I know uh well DJ Cat wanted us to talk about uh I I do want to bring up this is a bit of a cheat but Sea of Thieves some people really want alien stuff in Sea of Thieves, and I, I think that would be a little rubbish. Like I, a I don't, little, a bit, little bit of a step too far, I think. A little sus, Hi. as the youth says. But here's the thing: occasionally, when you play Sea of Thieves, you look into the night sky, you will see what looks to be aerial phenomena, like like a, a light starting across the sky unnaturally Ooh. and usually this is just visual bugs 
This is usually nothing actually put in the game by Rare. This is just things not rendering correctly. But from my perspective, I like to write it off as unidentified flying objects. Because actually in the history, history of seafaring... And, and the age of exploration, sailors all the time reported stuff like this. So I think it, it is within the realm of tropes and history and legends that Sea of Thieves draws from to have similar sightings like that. So just like I, I'm a big proponent of things like Grand Theft Auto putting you know UFOs in the game, I think Rare should put like the very, very rare, unaca- like infrequent UFO sightings in the game. I agree. I love that Bigfoot in GTA. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's not in GTA, but I no, I, I, <laughs> I know wish what you it mean. was. I know what you yeah. mean. Like I, I was all about that Grand Theft Auto was San Andreas. Yeah, I, I was yeah. all about that urban legend. I love games that have urban legends. And I think Sea of Thieves should have more of them, you know. So. Same. Yeah. It, it's just like in real life. I want to believe Bigfoot exists. Uh, I want to believe there's stuff like this even in video game worlds. Yeah. Wow, that, that's kind of like lowering the bar, though. Like, oh, I really <laughs> want Sasquatch to exist. But if I can't have that, I really want Sasquatch to exist in the game where I go around murdering people. That one's perfectly possible. <laughs> So we do need to discuss some some DKU adjacent rare games. Rare games we don't classify as DKU for our well-established criteria, but possibly do exist within the shared rare universe anyway. Games like Killer Instinct, games like Perfect Dark, games like Jet Force Gemini. So uh, as DJ Cat mentioned at the beginning of the episode glacius from killer instinct the the uh the icicle man is actually an alien <laughs> and and actually there are two glaciuses right uh glacii uh the, the the one in killer instinct 2 is a separate one from the first one if i'm not mistaken but it gets convoluted i'm actually not sure i gotta be honest I love Rare, but Killer Instinct's kind of a blind spot for me. I'm just oh. not good at those games, so I never really oh, delved I, into them. I'm terrible at them, too. And, and I remember <laughs> I remember uh, getting the first Killer Instinct and thinking how scary the Robin Beanland music was. Like, it was, it was, in, <laughs> it was intimidating. It was just like, oh, shit. I'm, I'm going to be, uh, I'm, I'm going to be slaughtered here. By these, <laughs> this ain't these, your daddy's video game. These scary monsters are gonna murder me. <laughs> and it, that, that's uh, when when uh, Rare released their 35th anniversary like soundtrack, like the digital collection, and they had the Killer Instinct theme on it. Um, I, I like it took me right back. I was like, oh yeah, I remember how like creeped out I was by Robin Beanland's music for this game. Uh, mo- mostly, <laughs> you let out you let out a little scream once it took you back. You went ah. There, there was the um, bee, bee orchid theme that just sounds like orgasming, like, uh, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. Anyway. Scary stuff. Yeah. Um, there's also Elvis in Perfect Dark. Now, this is interesting because Elvis is undoubtedly supposed to be a gray. 
Yeah, so, he's so, 100%. Yeah, if Elvis does exist in the shared rare universe, that would mean Elvis is actually probably the same kind of extraterrestrial being as the aliens in Banjo-Tooie. That's awesome. I'm all for it. Well, Kazooie even makes reference, like, is, is what yeah. have you named Elvis? And it's funny because at the time that game came out, I wasn't thinking about Perfect Dark. I was thinking about the urban legend that Elvis didn't just fake his death. Elvis went to live with the aliens. That would make a great premise for a TV show. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that would ever win any major awards. I <laughs> uh, learned the right to brag on that one. Yeah, my my uh, my Emmy sitting here in my uh, in my very cramped office for dedicated to <laughs> Donkey Kong journalism. <laughs> yeah, I like Elvis a lot. Uh, Perfect Dark is another one that I'm I'm just not a big uh, FPS fan, so I never yeah. really played it that much. But when I did, I liked Elvis a lot. Elvis is a great character. His designs fun. His voice is fun. Yes, that's kind of voice like this. Kind of Yoda-y. Yeah. Yeah, before Yoda got old. Be- like, yeah. Uh, wh- <laughs> Back when Yoda was cool. No, I, I feel like uh, the, the Star Wars prequels, especially 2 and 3, they ruined the Yoda speech for me. Oh. They, they just did it too much? It's they, been a long time since I've seen them. They did it too much, remember. and they spammed it. They, they spammed it into the ground. Like... If you watch Empire Strikes Back, Yoda doesn't always do the Yoda speech for every sentence. It, yeah, he it, says there is no try. Yeah, yeah. And and then in the prequels, he just does it for every sentence. Just, <laughs> just, like, just like the way the prequels also whip out the lightsabers way too much. Just like, we get mm-hmm. it. We get it. Lightsabers. Yoda speech. Well, you know, Heil, Yoda man. Yoda man, dog. <laughs> Um, so yeah, and, and, uh, by the way, Elvis is, uh, one of the Fangamer plushes, too. Uh. What a good choice. Yeah. Um, I don't own it, because I only own the DKU ones, but, uh, still, it's cool to see they made it. Yeah, it's interesting that they went with the, uh, it looks much closer to the N64 model, the original one, than it does the, um, remaster model. Uh, which kind of threw me off because I only ever played the Xbox version. Uh-huh. Uh, so you go back and look at old Elvis and he's just so basic. Oh, yeah. Old <laughs> Elvis it, it's, was it's... basic. Old Elvis yeah. was basic. Always eating his peanut butter and banana sandwiches, sitting on his <laughs> toilet. Uh, that made tragic. him relatable. We all do all those things. <laughs> Uh, and Jet Force Gemini. We have to bring up Jet Force Gemini. Um, Love Jet Force Gemini. Well, I, I like Jet Force Gemini. Love is a strong word with that does, game. Does Jet Force Gemini take place in the future? Like, what What the hell? What the hell is Jet yeah, Force? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess so. I've There's some theories going around that it's a, a stealth sequel to the Jetman series. Mm-hmm. But that's literally, that's just a, th- that's never like come up in the game. Yeah. All. That's just a headcanon. But uh, yeah, Jet Force is fun. That's all about aliens. 
One of my biggest gripes with this era of Rare, in which, you know, Rare, in my eyes, in my young, impressionable eyes, that were replaced by alien eyes, by the aliens who abducted me. Um, of course. They, they could do no wrong normally, but in one way they slipped up was they didn't make Jet Force Gemini DKU. Yeah, I wish I wish we were talking about it on the podcast today. Because you know the proportions, the characters. I feel like they would have fit. You know, as, as well as something like Grab by the Ghoulies fits. You know, yeah. You have the Tribals, just this little uh, race of alien bears. The, the Tribals, yeah, the Tribals in particular. They're they're what my mind is drawn to because I think of the Tribals. I'm like, yeah, they're they're they would be a cute. DKU race species, you know, they're they would fit right in. But when Gobi in Banjo Kazooie said, "I'm off to the lava world," that could have meant many things. But for a brief window of time, I was looking at screenshots of Jet Force Gemini and Nintendo Power, seeing lava worlds, and thinking, "Oh my God, I know what they're gonna do." <laughs> they're they're going to put Gobi in Jet Force Gemini. Ah, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Didn't pan out and uh <laughs> I honestly Things didn't work out with Gobi's lawyers. I tried Jet Force Gemini and I I've never been able to get into it. This is I I, I get wa- that. I want to get into it. I really do. I can't. I don't know. It just doesn't click with me. I've tried. I- I think of all the rare games that could use a full-on remake, uh, it would be Jet Force Gemini, I think, is the one that could most use it. So I would love to sit here and talk about my great Jet Force Gemini theories, but I don't really have them because <laughs> I it's never been a game. Like Blast Core, it's never been a game that's resonated with me, and I feel like rare people at Rare also hate me because I don't talk about Blast Core enough. <laughs> and, and it's just because I don't really, I've never really gotten into it. Sorry. Oh, Heil. I'm, I, I'll save my, my shame for after the podcast. I won't, I won't publicly uh, put you on blast here in front of everybody. You won't put me on core either. <laughs> you know what? You're back. You're back in my good books now. I don't. I don't know if you can see it, and you can't because why could you? This is an audio only podcast, but I'm squeezing my nipple right now. <laughs> Nothing gets Hyle more aroused than rare themed wordplay. It's not even a uh, an arousal thing. It's just when when I was like, I, I I need to tell myself I just did a good job. I <laughs> I just made something funny, and the only way. <laughs> The only way I can feel anything anymore, Dustin, is if I if I give my nipple a hard tweak. I get that. Yeah, your your fingers were in the neighborhood. Thought they'd drop on in. <laughs> you know, just uh, just a close encounter of my kind. <laughs> wow, because aliens. So wrapping it all up in in a nice tidy probe does. The uh, the cosmos of the DKU, does it all add up to a cohesive whole? No, not really. No. <laughs> but look, 
when you when you look at it, neither do the extraterrestrials of other far more concrete and dedicated shared universes without the legal hurdles of the DKU. Look at the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. That that has all manner of extraterrestrials running around, based on the ones from Marvel Comics, but. You know, there's not a lot of consistency or thought put into that, I would argue. Star Trek, the same way. It's just like, wait, all the, the, that that extraterrestrial race has uh, forehead ridges and they have slightly different forehead ridges. And, and what, how, how does evolution work here? (laughs) Honestly, like real UFO, quote unquote real, depending on your mileage, real UFO lore. It's also weird because you got greys, you've got reptilians, which are like basically Kremlins without the snouts. Uh, you've got like giant like Vikings. That's a thing. It's weird. It's stupid. You got bird people. Do you know about the bird people, Dustin? Look up the bird people. There are fucking falcos out there, according to the the ufo- ufologist bird people they're gonna come through your window and peck your eyes out oh what well what do they have to gain from this and you know what i bet it was the fucking bird people that i saw back in the day i i bet it wasn't even the grays or something cool and creepy like the reptilians i bet it was the fucking bird people fuck my life you look like a little worm to them yeah i know early bird gets the worm and that was me (laughs) <laughs> i always thought you had some worm-like qualities and, and yeah there haven't been really any explicit connections made between the various dku alien races but you know what that's okay because that's part of the fun that's where we get to come in and help draw the connections between maybe Wizpig and the lilat system and the saurians and you know that that's the kind of stuff i honestly live for and that's why i have been with dk vine for as long as i have and why i've done the conversation for 10 years now and plan to do it until i die and even when i die dustin i'll find a way to communicate to all of you via some supernatural spookery oh just you wait (laughs) just you wait we've been looking forward to it the conversation season 120 gonna be weird when when i like do my episodes through blood dripping down the walls. Yeah, it'll be hard to... We're we're gonna have to really listen close to the way it drips. Yeah, it's gonna be in Morse code. <laughs> oh, shit. This, I gotta be honest, Hyle, I might stop listening at that point. <laughs> you're gonna be... It's gonna be your blood dripping down too, buddy. Uh, you're right. <laughs> I've been roped into this. I don't know, I don't know how long you're planning on living... <laughs> oh, I was planning on living I was planning on living a while, but I guess we'll see. You know what? Maybe when you die, I'll just be like, "You know what? That's fine. I'll end it here too." And then I can join Hyle in this. He can't do this show alone. No. I I'm just saying, I don't I don't I don't see you living another 110 years. Maybe you'll surprise me. Maybe you've got it in you. The the world's oldest man, Dustin Jackson. <laughs> I don't know. I really like cheeseburgers. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that up because I know, because I know we're all thinking it. We don't know what gray meat tastes like. 
Like if you were to if you were to grill up a gray alien, what would it taste like? We don't know. But all of us, every single person listening to this podcast, whether it be the voracious gobblers of pig or those who prefer the creamy treat of the banana, we can all say we've tasted the sweet, sweet flesh of at least one DKU alien, which in these dark days is my hopeful message for humankind. Good night. This has been a File 2 production. I made this.